0: Who the hell are you? I'm Owen's friend. Owen doesn't have a friend.
1: That's because he's
0: shy. No, he's not. He's fat and he's stupid. Get out of my house! Where is Owen? Owen went bowling. I want Owen!
2: Welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Welcome to Moralia Python Radio. Tonight we are joined by uh, Nipper Reed. He is a fellow um, field herping enthusiast. And uh, (laughs) we should uh, talk uh, a a lot of cool things uh, because, Owen, this is the first conversation Yes. that we can talk about yes. where you can you we won't say, well, when I was in Australia, you know I mean <laughs> you will be a um, part of this conversation, oh okay,
1: so, okay, you know what we'll I, mean? I mean like you're like he's a herping field herping enthusiast, like we are now, it's like ah aha. <laughs> Price. plus yes, plus antaresia mm-hmm.
2: uh, yeah he's a big time into antaresia, and of course boega, I hope I'm saying that right, I probably butchered it, but Moving you know, on. The, the night tigers we saw, Owen.
1: Yes. You mean like the d, be... like night tigers, like where we're like, oh my God, it's a night tiger. And then by like day seven, we're like, it's another night tiger. Just don't even stop the car. Just like, you know, just drive around it. So. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: exactly. Yep. Um but uh yeah, so we, we have tons of cool stuff to talk about. Um and uh it should be good. So Welcome to the show. Finally, glad to have you on. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Thanks, Japs.
0: It's an <laughs> absolute pleasure to finally talk to you both.
1: Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Yes. So now we'll just get into the whole thing. I'm pulling up this fun stuff because uh, Eric thinks that I'm actually prepared, and that's never true.
2: Um, oh, my goodness. How shut up. Anyway. So... Anyway. <laughs>
1: We we start every show, which I should know by the wait. Years hold on, doing, stop! Owen, did
2: you see the yeah. picture that I put right at the top? For you? I don't
1: want to talk about. <laughs> this.
2: Go ahead, carry on. It's
1: so pretty, but I can't breed them. So why am I going to buy it <laughs> anyway?
2: Uh, um. We're talking about uh, the white lip python, the T positive albino.
0: Yes, that nerd just did. You see that number? I did, that was, I'm not greatly into morphs, but that was very pretty
1: it's like, so Nerd has had the capacity to potentially breed white lips for the longest time like they could build a couple they could get them going, they could do it but they haven't done it until now they've been able to get their hands on a T-positive albino, now it's worth doing it's like, eh yeah Uh, yep God only knows what they're going to cost. But anyway, (laughs) anyway, that's you problem. He can't, I refuse to buy a white lip morph until I can get the wild ones to breed. So
2: there you go. Good plan.
1: Yep. It's a very sad plan. Anyway, um, Nipper, why don't you start with telling us what got you into reptiles?
0: Oh, reptiles. Yes. Um, This is awkward. I'm not really into it. It it There's a big thing
1: birds. Get the hell out of here. (laughs) Um,
0: No, I'm sure I'm the same as everybody else. Um, My earliest memory is my grandfather taking me to the Natural History Museum in London, which I'm sure you've heard of. Yep. Um, When I was about four years old, uh, and back in the day, they actually had live specimens there as well. And I can still remember, it was four years old is a long time ago for me. Um, I can still remember seeing a uh, fire salamander for the very first time. I don't know if you've seen the European fire salamander. It's about as big or slightly smaller than your tiger salamander, but it's black and yellow, really striking animal. Hmm. Um, as soon as I'd seen that, that was it for me. I became obsessed, as everybody is. I was into dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. And then I got my first snake after badgering the shit out of my parents when I was 10 years old. And it was an American snake. I actually got a ribbon snake for my first snake. (laughs) Cool. Um, Which I still like. I mean, I still like ribbon snakes to this day. Um, But after that, all my pocket money was going on reptiles. And as soon as you start earning your own money, the collection just grows and grows and grows. Um, As soon as I got more money, I started field herping. And as you two are well aware, as soon as you start seeing things in the wild, you completely change which species you want to keep and how you keep them. Mm. Yeah. and it just snowballs on from there <laughs>
1: it, it really does and it's really kind of one of those things where it's like i would have never thought of keeping children's pythons because i didn't like them they're tiny they're, they're eric snakes you know he's got them i fabulous i, I, can, snakes. I can appreciate yes. them but i don't want them I, they're not Eight feet long and coming to kill me—that's not what I want. So, um, but after they're seeing them,
2: four feet long it, and coming to kill you. Oh, well, yeah. I, but <laughs>
1: pish. Um, after seeing them, I'm like, God, I could—I re- could really set up a good pair of children's pythons. They'd be just so cool. So, I'm hoping that goes away. But unfortunately, everybody talks to go away. Do it. Won't. Crap. Mm-mm. So, with all the field herping and all the pocket money. What's your current collection look like?
0: Um, It's reasonably small at the moment. I've scaled down a little bit because I've recently moved. Um, What have I got? Let's have a look. I've got um, Pygmy Rattlers at the moment, Sistrurus Miliaris Barberi, absolutely stunning little rockets, fantastic things. Um, I've got uh, the Variable Pit Vipers, the Atheris Scrum Gera. I've got Broadly's Pit Vipers... Um, I've got Sri Lankan pit vipers. Oh, shit. Uh, I, do right. vi- I do love a pit Apparently. viper. I do love a pit viper. Apparently. Um, yeah, Orlov's viper is a beautiful sort of Caucasian European viper. Um, I've got the Boiga regularis, Boiga dendrophilia, Boiga nigriceps. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them, but I've got Patpum carpet pythons. <laughs> I,
1: it, don't worry about those
0: <laughs> no, they're stunning far the best carpet python hands down I don't thank like you
1: show. I don't like your oh, show 100%.
0: already you don't show. even have to morph them they are just stunning
1: just not, I, don't, I don't agree with this show right now I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm torn anyway
0: um, oh. what, else, what else we got we got um, vine snakes um, samophis which are the, um, the rear fang sand racers I've uh, got false cobras, Arrow Island scrubs. They're nice and big. Um, what else we got? Uh, oh, Sanzinia, Madagascan tree boas. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Hog Island boas. Um, got some lovely fog dam water pythons which uh, I'm incredibly jealous that you've seen them in the wild. <laughs> and also, you've completely uh, freaked me out because the one you've got is about twice as big as I thought they actually grew.
2: Holy shit, that snake was big. I
0: have to rethink when I'm going to keep those when, they, uh, when they're fully grown. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got uh, spotted pythons, children's pythons, um you're going to laugh at this, but I was so pleased to get these recently. I've got rough green snakes. <laughs> oh, really? So, like, that was like my first snake, yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. So hard to get in Europe. Really? We really, really are so hard to get in Europe. Um, and they sell out almost instantly. Whenever they, they, they come in very infrequently, and when they do, they sell out so quickly. I've been trying to get them for ages. I was really pleased to get a, a, a sub-adult pair of those. Absolutely fantastic little things. I know you take them for granted, but they're super <laughs> tight. <laughs> um, what else have we got? Mac clots pythons. Love my clots. Um Great training. If you're going to keep venomous, if you can keep a maclots <laughs> six months without getting bitten, you are venomous 100%. Oh,
1: I, am, I am not ready. <laughs> they
0: are, I mean, I've kept some, so many species over the years. Maclots are 100% the most aggressive species I've ever kept. I keep scrubs. I keep apodora. I keep venomous. But maclots, if you can keep them, you're not doing too bad. <laughs> um, and really easy to breed as well. Damn it. <laughs> Just Damn so i get it. that.
1: Get <laughs> <lame>. <laughs> well, uh, I, it's not, I keep having, I got eggs the one year, but then she died the next. So, you know, yeah. it, it's, and it's been a constant chase. But whatever, we'll get there eventually.
0: Get there, never get rid of them. No. Um I've got Apodora. To my mind, out of all the snakes I've kept for the last couple of decades, Apodora is streets ahead of anything else. I mean, people go on about how cool and intelligent scrubs are. They are retarded (laughs) compared to Uh, Apodora. Amazing snakes. Get them while you can, because I don't think you're going to be able to get them for very much longer. So definitely, everybody should have a pair. Absolutely fabulous. I'm going for for trying to breed them for the first time this season. So
3: that's
0: my, that's my, my project, my big project for 2020.
2: Is yours uh, captive born and bred or yours wild or what?
0: Uh, my male, which is uh, 3.5 meters. Um, nice. He's captive bred uh, from 2006, um, so he's just coming up to breeding age, really. And uh, my female is about 3.2 meters, and she's wild caught. Okay. Okay. So it's going to be nerve-wracking putting those two together because that's a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, One of them will probably or could possibly eat the other one, but um, they're just such incredible snakes. I don't know what the availability is like in the U.S., but in the U.K.
1: It varies, really.
0: All right. In the U.K., I think there's only probably um, four pairs something like that. Oh, wow. What?
3: Yeah. That's it. Wow. They're hard
2: to I would say that that's probably there's probably about maybe ten people working with those. I think, yeah. you know, in the states, I, that, I would, that is known.
1: You know, I would maybe. agree, but they do also come in. I think more regularly, maybe so, because I've seen them at show. They'll they'll be a spike where they'll be at every single reptile show for like four or five months, and then I won't see them for three or four years, yeah, and then they'll the, spike yeah. up again.
2: The issue is, is that females are what come comes in. It's right. really yeah. hard to come across a male.
0: It is exceptionally hard to come across a male. I don't know what the prices are like in in the states, but uh, prices of males are quite um, hefty in Europe. But yeah. they're so rare, you've got to get them while you can. What's yeah.
2: your approach going to be to breeding them? Like, do you have a game
0: plan, or are you just like? We're uh, talking to Casper quite a lot. Um, right. Because he's the only person in Europe that's really well. He was the first person in Europe to, to have success with them. Right. Um. My plan, um, as I'm, i I do with most of my stuff, is uh, I'm as well as the temperature uh, drops. I'm not going to drop them too much. Um, they do do like slightly lower temperatures than most pythons, but I'm not going to drop them too much. Um, As well as the light cycles, I'm really, really into food cycling. I think that's really, really important. I think it makes a massive difference. So I tend to do that with all my snakes. So I'm just coming up. um, The end of this month, I shall stop feeding completely. I have had a couple of months where I've really been um, feeding them regularly and different food sources, not just... Extra large rats. I've been feeding rabbits, um, adult quail, um, guinea pigs, that sort of thing. Real varied food, a lot of it, and now that that'll be tailed off. Um, I'll drop the temperatures probably mid December. Okay. Cool the pipe down through till February. Start raising the temps slightly in February. Give them both a decent feed. And then put them together. I shall probably sleep on a camp bed in my snowfield.
2: field <laughs> 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 constantly. Yeah, I know.
0: But uh, fingers crossed. I, it's a species I've been fascinated with for a long time. I really, really love to breed them. Yeah,
1: that would be. That would know, be very cool.
0: Um, I cool did hear thing. on your, I think it was on your last uh, show, you were saying you might be getting rid of your apodora.
2: I was, you know, I, I yeah, I was, uh, I was back and forth with that, but. Um... No, I was in the snake room today and I was like, what the hell was I thinking, man? These are stunning.
0: <laughs> you yeah. put the mug to get rid of them. Do yeah. not do it. Yeah.
1: Someone, someone called them and smacked them around. I don't know who yeah. it was, but somebody must have.
0: That's good work because they That's are it. gem in your collection,
2: 100%. Yeah, they're cool snakes, man, for sure. Um, unfortunately, yeah, I... I what's that? They're practically Australian. Practically, yeah. yeah. That, that's how I uh, bridged the gap. I was like, okay, so I can keep Close. poplin carpets. I can throw these in there, too. They're part of the, the thing. You know? Yeah. It's pretty much Australia.
0: If you're going <laughs> to keep your Bismarcks as well, I mean, it's, it's not much Indo-Australia. Just do Indo-Australia. Those, those I'm yes. not as
2: uh, in love with as much uh, as the poplin. Oh. So if I had to choose between one or the two, you know, they, the, the rings would get the cut for sure. No, oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Cool snakes, but
1: mm-hmm,
2: they would absolutely get there's. I think you're right, there's something about those snakes, uh, they just seem to, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess the, yeah, the more intelligent because it's weird. I have mine right next to my scrubs, and um. Yeah, it looks like that snake would definitely just make a dinner out of those scrubs without any issues. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, so I get where you're coming from with the...
0: uh... How how big are yours now?
2: Uh, uh, Let's see. Mine are probably maybe four four foot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you
0: wait till they get to 12 feet and then see how (laughs) interesting they are. They're fabulous. Absolutely fabulous.
1: I have they... the schematics for the wood cages, Eric, so you can just build that down there because you're going to need it. Definitely. For... Yeah.
0: Definitely.
1: <laughs> definitely.
2: Yeah. They're definitely cool snakes for sure. I love the uh, the, 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 the whole two-tone color change thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just they're cool snakes.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Awesome.
2: That's
1: so, cool. um, Nipper, when did the collection change from non-venomous snakes to venomous snakes?
0: About five years ago, um, I decided I was keeping a lot of Rearfang stuff, uh, and I decided to – I'd I'd done quite a lot of uh, field herping specifically to photograph vipers and things like that. Mm. And I thought I'd really like to keep some at home. Um, I won't keep European stuff at the moment because of a conflict of interest. I'm quite fortunate – um, in some of the circles that I, I get a lot of information from people, from people about certain sites to go and visit to take photographs so if I have no European stuff there's no way anyone could say I've wild collected anything
3: mm-hmm. gotcha. Yeah. Uh,
0: when I finish the Euro list and I'm no longer European centric I would definitely get some more European Vipers because like, some of the European Vipers are absolutely stunning um, but that said, um, it's, it's slightly different in, the, in uh, the UK to the States. I think we have to have what we call a DWA licence to own uh, venomous um, species, and it's quite an involved, quite an involved process, involving visits from vets and visits from the council. Um, so I applied for my licence. It's about a six-month process to actually get the get the licence. They come and inspect where you're going to keep them. The buildings have to be a certain spec. The cages have to be a certain spec. Um, you have to bite protocols in place, have agreements from uh, the local police and the local fire brigade that they will visit your house, even if you're dead on the floor with a venomous snake on you, that sort of thing. So um, this,
1: this sounds awesome. And I wish that it went this far in the United States. <laughs>
0: yeah. to, be, to be fair, I think there should be some form of license. Yeah. Um, for the bigger snakes, for rock pythons, for retics, um, yes. apodora, that sort of thing as well, just to stop mugs just going into a shop, handing over some money, and then having a snake that potentially can hurt them or somebody else. Yes. It doesn't have to be as strict as the venomous, but I do think there should be, you know, to keep one of these beautiful specimens at home, there should be some form of test that you have to pass that you're going to heat it correctly, you're going to give it proper diet and so on and so forth. But right. how you police that, I don't know. So uh, anyway, yeah, I got my DWA license uh, and I started building a fairly large venomous collection. Um, mm. I had a number of rattlesnakes. I had some cobras. I even had an elapid. Never have an elapid. I mean, you've seen them in the <laughs> wild. They are. Mental. Um,
1: fast. They're just very, very fast and it's very scary.
0: I can't imagine what it's like trying to photograph an elapid in the wild because, I mean, I photograph vipers quite often, but they're quite happy to sort of curl up and just look at you. Um, if the wild elapids were anything like the elapids I kept at home, they are psychotically fast and just a little bit scary. So um, I got rid of the elapids. Um, and then I uh, had to thin the collection down because I moved counties, and it, which means re-licensing again. So I re-licensed again um, in the county that I live in now, and I'm just building the Venomous collection back up again.
1: Very cool. Very cool. So um, is there anything on the list of Venomous that you want to add potentially soon?
0: Oh, mate. <laughs> 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 I um You'll be pleased to know, all of my, yeah. sort of my top five things I want to buy, they're all American.
1: Oh, what? Oh, yeah. well, no, we my- do have some cool venomous. All right, I will admit to that.
0: You have some fabulous snakes, which I'm no doubt we'll talk about later, but rattlesnakes fascinate me. I just think they're amazing, iconic creatures. Um, but I would really like some pricey, eye, the little um, rock rattlesnakes. Mm. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, There's I would some, I like some
1: of those. Yeah, I don't
0: know what the prices are like in America, but they're, they're very expensive in Europe. Um, I would like top of my list is uh Crotulus Williardi, the ridge nose rattlesnake. Okay, uh, they go for about five and a half grand a pair.
1: Holy crap!
0: <laughs> so, um, that's on my Christmas list. Uh, <laughs> uh Crotulus Micheli, um. Pyrus, you know the um the beautiful sort of um granite marbled rattlesnakes that you have. Yes. Um yeah, it's all rattlesnakes. It's I've kind of got <laughs> a rabbit hole for rattlesnakes at the moment. There, yeah, when I
2: that I talked about it before on the show, but when I was a kid and my dad had rattlesnakes, there was something so cool about going down into his snake room and just you know, staring at the. I remember you had a big tank. It was right at my eye level, and I'm just staring at this snake, and it's just rattling away. And
0: just like, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> you just so stood so there cool for hours. A, so cool to have a dad that actually keeps round <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that, that is. Yeah, right. That's, that's a lottery win right there. Mm. For sure.
2: <laughs> for sure. <clears throat> cool. All right. So Rattlesnakes
0: is the go-to uh, for the... For,
1: uh, Christmas shopping for Nippers. <laughs> I yeah,
0: yeah, If anybody wants to cloud fund me to get some woolyardi, uh, I'd be very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. All
2: right. Um, so, okay, let's switch gears for a second. Let's talk some Antaresia. Um oh, Beautiful. Yeah, I love
0: I love some Antaresia. Uh So you do, you, know, um, I absolutely hate you two for seeing them in the wild.
1: Oh really? <laughs> oh,
0: man, I know Arundellaensis, just an incredible thing, just beyond incredible. Um, that is just well, I, I was I, when I heard you sing that, I was trying to think if there was a species I'd rather see more in the wild, and I can't think of one at the moment. That is just such an achievement. It's just a once in a lifetime thing, and I hate you so much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it was so weird because it all hinges, it all hinged on Eric and his forgetfulness and his loss of a phone. Because because we stayed late to try to find it, that's when we found the children. And I because we had to drive all the way back to get it. That's when we were able to go oh. find the Owen Pelly and the Blackheads. It's that's like insane. yeah.
0: It's it's just amazing. And to be fair, Owen, yes. it's your first out of the U.S. herping trip. Yes. And you're never gonna beat it. No, <laughs> never,
1: <laughs> <It's>, never. <laughs> I've already realized that. I already preemptively retired. It's like I, I got, I got nothing. There's, I'm good.
0: You, you've just so. got bragging rights for the rest of your life. On I know. <laughs> it's trip. just. And I kind
1: of feel bad because Rob and Eric did all the research and the work. I was just there. It's like, you know, it's no, like I just you to be there.
2: Remember you found it in the tree again. You know yes, what I mean? True. We 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 would have lost it, but you, you know, I don't know how you found it, but you
1: found it somehow. You, Nipper, would you have climbed the tree? That's oh, my question it For it the rest of my life. Thank you. <laughs>
0: you know, it's... That's where we are. I, I <laughs> so <cannot> bad. <laughs> imagine, I literally cannot imagine the excitement of actually being there and just seeing that for the first time. It's just incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. That's, yeah. And I'd say so you must, I think you said, you must be amongst a handful of Americans that have actually seen that in the wild. Uh, that's, that's an amazing thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it's it was, trippy. you know what, you know what's crazy about the whole thing is that, like, before we left, I kept saying that we were going to find one. And, you know, I got a lot of messages telling me that I'm effing crazy. And, you know what I mean? You're never <laughs> going to find it. And, dah, 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 yeah. dah, and I'm like, you, you don't look for it. You don't you look. Won't. You won't. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So
3: we got
0: But it. apart from the Iron the other thing seeing children in the wild as a species I've been into for decades and to see it in yeah. situ must be incredible.
1: Yeah. You know, but- I-, I was mad at Eric because he saw a coastal carpet Python in the wild. So um even after all our Owen Pelly stuff, I was still kind of like dejected because I had not seen what I really liked in the wild. So um like I didn't see the carpet Python. So we actually got the carpet Python the last, night and that's really cool to see something you're really really into in the wild yeah so i get Um, it
0: yeah just
2: you would appreciate this um the difference in the two so we found two children i
0: Yep.
1: yeah
2: and the difference between i don't know how far was that owen like a mile
1: yeah we found one drove found the other one like it was not it wasn't that long either in between So
2: the first one we found looks typically like, well, first of all, let me say this, like
1: looks healthy uh, and
2: super healthy. looked like it just ate a meal. Um, But you know how like a lot of the ones in captivity kind of turn brown and just a solid color. No, no. These still had the spots on it and everything. Um, And it had like a real iridescence to it. I don't know if it was Mm -hmm. going into shed maybe or whatever, you know, like right when the eyes clear up right before it goes, but. The iridescence was crazy, um, and then to find the next one, you know, completely different.
1: Skinny, you, you Doesn't know, look too hot. <laughs>
2: but but even that, you know, we were talking to uh, uh, Gavin about this, and he, you know, we originally thought we found an escarpment children eye, and, I, and yeah. apparently he was saying that that was kind of the the bridge between the two because um, I guess. Um, you know, uh, the, the escarpments have a little bit of a different pattern, but the head is yeah. so different. But they're so close to each other. It's just like, wait, this is nuts.
0: <laughs> so incredible. I mean, what was the um? What what do you think they're predating where they are? Do you think they're fe- mainly lizard feeders where they are?
1: Um, uh, that's there what there were a was... ton of skinks, like a ton of skinks. They were about the size of a large mouse. So. Right. Maybe, maybe. I mean, that's the only prey items we really saw an abundance of.
0: So, you did you see um, many sort of small ground mammals that could have been predated or literally everything's just reptiles? Uh,
2: no, I didn't see any small mammals. The, I, I think the smallest thing we saw was something like uh, the, the size bo- of like um, maybe a, 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 a like a colossal rat. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, like those are the possums.
1: I mean, they—they, they the the possums were apparently the size of maybe a guinea pig or like that? Eric said, a colossal rat, and that was the smallest mammal we saw. And that's when you kind of noticed that, like that water python that we found was living in the botanical gardens where there was nothing but bats and possums living in there. So he was just eating everything in sight that was huge. So that's why he got big. So it's almost like as you got further away from human populations the mammals either got smaller and scarcer and a lot more reptile and amphibian we saw tons of frogs too so
2: i would venture to guess that they probably feed on bats um Maybe i would imagine in those little um you know like uh, the rock ledges and stuff that they could you know that they, they could get into uh the bats flying out of that i would imagine that they probably hang right at the you know the opening to the to the cave or whatnot and Feast away, you know? Yeah. But, uh, so. Yeah, they're cool, man.
1: <laughs> Eric's starting to try to um, introduce um, bats into his feeding regimen. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't figured it out completely. They keep flying away from him. It's yes. really annoying. Yeah. Um, Dory's not too pleased with the amount of bats that are loose in the house, but, no, you know, <laughs> it's, it, it, he'll figure it out and it'll be better for the children yeah. in the end.
0: Absolutely. So, I'm all, yeah. I mean, what, now you've seen them in the wild. Yeah. Will it change how you will look after them? Uh, You know what? The one
2: thing that I took away from this trip um, is that um, Australian pythons, I think, are hardy in captivity because they have a hard life.
1: Yeah, it's really bad. (laughs) Their life is hard, (laughs)
2: man. It is dry. It is hot. It is it's uh it's it's a hard road
1: man. They get, they get like 3 hours of weather that's good enough to actually move and then they have to hide again before they die. It's, I just yeah. don't
2: know like uh, you know like when I went to see carpets and like when when we went to cans it was more along the lines of how we keep pythons in captivity. You well. know, there's you know the temperature was ar- right around the right temperatures and like the ambient temperature was right there, the humidity felt just about, you know, right whatever but here it was just it was brutally hot and it was freaking hot you know and i can't imagine that they really do anything at all during the day i, I yeah. just you know it's just too hot you know maybe it changes during the rainy season you know once i i i don't know I, i'd have to look but I, I don't think it cools down much i think it just rains um but man, it was, yeah, it was, it was harsh conditions. And the second children I, we found was definitely, that snake was, he
1: was feeling <laughs> seen
2: it. some hard days, man. Like, oh. but there he was just, you know, crossing the road, uh, probably looking for a meal. I would imagine. Yeah. I think
0: um, most Antaresia that you find in captivity are so overfed.
3: Yes. Yes. It,
0: it's. Yeah. I mean, as as I think, with most snakes in captivity, they're so overfed. But particularly Antaresia, because their feeding response is psychotic. It um, is. People just overfeed them, and I mean, you've seen the conditions they live in in the wild and the sort of prey items that they're going to come across, and yet most people, once a week, once every ten days, are feeding them a, a lab mouse, which has got so much more fat in it than uh, a reptile, anyway.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: I mean, the Antaresa in the wild are probably feeding 10 times a year, something like that. Yes. And yet, yep. you know, most most people in the hobby are going to be feeding them, you know, three or four times that. It can't be very good for them.
1: No, it's, it's not. And, I mean, I fed my spotted pythons to the point where they were way bigger than they ever should have been. Uh, and that's why I don't keep spotted pythons anymore. But it's – if you're not watching, you can very easily outrun your coverage with those things. And it's almost like the mentality of his feed once a week or feed every 10 days. And that's not necessarily true or what's best for the snake. It's, I think some of my best animals that have like the best body weights are the ones that eat live. Cause I don't raise live. So they get live when I go to the reptile show. And yeah, so. if I skip a couple of reptile shows, they don't eat. And then I come in and they eat three mice, four mice each, and then they have to wait till the next reptile show. And it's like, all uh, right, well, that's probably the closest to the wild. So.
0: Like I said, I think that's completely natural. I don't I mean, yeah. the physical um... – Act of just digesting food is quite stressful for a snake. they don't do it all the time, and to be fed consistently must be having a negative effect on them,
3: yeah,
2: yeah, I changed that a long time ago, but um i i think I think the one thing that now that we're talking and it's kind of processing in my brain is that like the one thing that if i if I was going to breed these guys, i don't think the temperature is a factor no. as much as. It's probably food cycling, yeah, um, and that to me it, you know i I don't know if I would necessarily missed them, but I would imagine that those uh pressure systems that are coming in, like you know here it would snow, rain, whatever, I would think that they would affect um their breeding um but that's why I think I don't know I've heard that they're pretty straightforward to breed. I think that may be why, because they don't really need the temperature swing, in my, in, you know, from from what I got. I don't know what your thoughts are, Owen, but that's sort of what my thinking is, is it's more – I mean, it's just – it was dry. There was nothing, and then it, I would imagine that once the, ra- the wet season comes, that all comes to life. Right. You know?
1: it, it's – the weird thing is that, first off, the animals that we have have been raised and bred in captivity over here where everything is flipped, you know – they're eating during the summertime because our temperatures here or the temperatures we keep them in are what they are at the cool, nice rainy wet season. And then we somehow drop them colder and it's like, I don't know. It's and that's what works for them when realistically they breed when it's colder because they don't want to do anything when it's really, really hot. So it's kind of hard. So I don't know. What I would do, I almost feel like what we're doing now here works and messing with it and attempting to recreate what's in Australia could lead to, uh, I don't know, like it could lead to great success where everything breeds or you can end up messing up and not getting anything to breed. How do we know that this isn't what like blackheads and womas are, you know, waiting for is that we keep them not hot enough for most of the year. And then we're supposed to drop them down cold during their breeding season and not cold, just a little bit cooler and then warm them back up again. I don't know. So it's, it's hard. I don't even know what to think. And I'm trying to not let what the, what we observed in the wild to influence me too much because I'm afraid that I'll end up tweaking something because that's the way it was in Australia. And it will not uh, flow correctly here in Pennsylvania. So I don't
2: know. See, for me, I kind of changed a long time ago, my approach to keeping pythons, you know, cycle feeding, even the babies, um, the temperatures that I keep them at. um, All those things, I kind of just, I changed a long time ago. For me, going to the wild, it sort of just makes me feel like I'm on the right path, you know?
1: Right. And I understand that. And then we have talked about me changing to cycle feeding and cooling everybody down, mainly because your way is a lot cheaper than mine. And it also makes a lot more sense. And also uh, your animals live longer. So there's a lot of upticks that I was already going to get on before we went to Australia. So I don't kind of count that. So,
0: okay. As as well as um, cycle feeding, I think it's really important to try and feed um, some more natural prey rather than just white lab mice all the time.
1: Right. right. So, so,
0: how, so how do you approach that? Um, we, I've got, Where I live, I live in the countryside. I can get quail quite a lot. I think quail is one of the best sources of food. I mean, when you consider, if you're talking, I don't know, green tree pythons or scrub pythons, mm-hmm. a lot of their diet is going to be made up of birds, yep. mm-hmm. not mammals. Birds have a completely different um, fat content. They've got a different fiber content. Yep, yep. Um, so I just think that's helpful. You know, uh, hatchling and seresia are probably amphibian and lizard feeders. Oh, and 100%. You, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we're giving them um, pink mice or pink <laughs> mice heads to start with, You're which right. is just full of fat. It's, it's, it's kind of equivalent of giving a newborn baby – a McDonald's every day. Which <laughs> understand I
1: mean, anyway, that, that That's but, not uh, good? You're not supposed to do that? I, I'm asking for a friend.
0: Um. <laughs> um, so I, I do tra- t- tend to try and um, give quite natural food. A lot of the Boega um, are amphibian feeders. I use frog legs for them, which we can buy from the Asian food markets over here.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And mm-hmm. they seem to do really well on them, just I, I, rather than just keep pounding down the, the mice. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, I've got um, oh, I missed those out. I've got pituophis, uh, I love pine snakes, Um oh, yeah, forgot to mention them, stunning. That's one of my other projects for um, next season, but yeah, I think they do better on mammals and chicks because that's kind of their natural diet, but something that's arboreal won't be pounding mice. And there are no mice. There's no natural mice in Australia. Right. Uh, there's only introduced species. So anything, you know, if you're talking about an evolutionary path for Australian pythons, won't have a lot of mice in it.
2: No.
1: It's just, no. It's just
0: That's just it's just my thoughts. I mean, other things will work for other people, but I'm I'm really into the food sites in and trying to feed as natural as possible.
1: It's cool that you mentioned the uh, pine snakes, because I actually got mine this year to eat rodents chicks and tilapia so i mean yeah. they'll pretty much eat anything and then yeah. the asian rat snakes and the caribo and the king snakes it's like i'm cutting up these tilapia fillets and i just give my king snake my california king snake a chunk of fish and then it goes off and eats it and that's good because the amount of protein in that versus like a mouse it was
0: um, yeah awesome man yeah you've got um you've got black pines haven't you
1: i do not have black pines i have uh northern pine snakes and then i have an albino northern pine snake so i do not have the black pines i wanted them but they're labeled as a potential endangered species so if i were to get them i would only be able to sell them to people in pennsylvania i see And there's quite a lot of people in Pennsylvania that have them. So, and they want a ridiculous amount of money for them. So I'm not going to do it.
0: (laughs) No, in in Europe, they're so hard to get at the minute. Yeah. Uh, I'm desperate for some, I've got a friend that's, that's just going to be breeding next season, but you're looking about 500 to 800 pounds each. Wow.
1: Okay. Mine are not as ridiculous as I originally thought, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know.
0: Um, Getting back to the Antaresia, yes, uh, yeah. Do you keep yours in tubs or do you keep them in vibs?
2: Mine are still small, so currently um, I have them in tubs.
0: Right, I've completely gone away. I used to. I mean, don't get me wrong. Back in the day, I loved the tub. Mm -hmm. I wanted wanted one of every snake species in the world. To do that, you have to have lots of racks and tubs. But I've completely gone away from that now and gone into vivs for just about everything. But that said, I think there's a few species that do really well, do much better in tubs than they do in vivs,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
0: And that is Shirina, the rubber boas that I used to breed, mm-hmm. um, rosy boas, um, and Antaresia. I've had them in, in well-planted vivs. I've kept them in tubs. In my experience, and that's just my experience, they seem to do much better in tubs.
1: Hmm. You think that's just because they spend a lot of their time underground cover and stuff like that hiding?
0: I think I think it's because their natural environment, and you know, I'm talking yeah. to people that have been there, and I'm just guessing. But um, <laughs> their natural environment I think is quite um there's a lot of cover. There's a lot of um
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah,
0: a lot of rock, a lot of rock cover, a lot of rock fissures, and that sort of thing that they can get into. I think they like being in quite small compressed spaces. Um, I, I I just found it really tubs seem to really suit them.
1: Even beyond that, there's a ton of like palm cover. So like every little nook, even if it wasn't a nook, was still covered with leaves and stuff like that too. So I mean, there was a ton of Space for them to hide, even if they were not exactly crammed into a rock crevice, they were still underneath something, which we didn't want to go through because death at her But you know, oh. it's yeah, is <laughs> <It's> that wimp? <laughs>
2: I didn't see
1: you doing that. I didn't see you doing shit.
2: I did. Remember to find my own Belly, I kicked my way through the the underbrush of that tree and just ran well, through one there. One time, you went one time. <laughs> yeah, one time. That's it. <laughs> Whatever um so it's interesting you say that because i would think that um you know my thought does, does your okay let me ask this question do you see a lot of activity with yours with your Antaresia are they
0: moving around all a lot um it depends on time of year and time of day mm-hmm. um i tend to be in my snake building quite late at night um, because most of the um, the pit vipers are nocturnal and obviously the the uh, is always nocturnal. So if I'm feeding or if I just want to see that everything's out and okay, I get a time in there quite late at night. Um, in the daytime, I never really see them. They're in the hide boxes. Um, at night, um, depending on when they were last fed, they're out and prowling around.
2: Yeah, my thought is that they're just it's too hot, so they just sort of hunker down and wait for mm-hmm. it to be cooler. Now I know we're not providing those temperatures in captivity, but maybe no. they're just conditioned to I mean, as long as the, the temperature is right like so in a lot of those rock crevices and stuff, you're looking at so if it's a hundred and you know, hundred and three degrees Fahrenheit ambient temperature. You know, you're looking at, what would you say, Owen? Like, I think a couple times I sh- attempt shot, you're looking at 80, 82.
1: The, uh, at one point, the shade was 90-something. I mean, like, you know, it's... It but if get you got
2: into, like, into those rock crevices, Oh, yeah, yeah. Were, you're, there's you're much cooler at, when you get into the rocks. So yeah. you're looking at a 20-degree drop in temperature. So I would yeah. imagine if they're tuned into that 80... You know, what we call the perfect Python temperatures, that 80 to 82 degrees, like what they're searching for and what they're trying to keep their body temperature at. Um, if they have that, I think they just kind of wait around. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't I, I don't know
1: why. That's... Why go quickly? Yeah, it's
0: good. Just, stay right. just out of interest. Did you tent gun any of the rock surfaces after um, the sun had come down? Yes. I just wonder what yep. residual heat the rocks had.
2: Uh, yes, I think uh, anywhere from the high 80s um, to like
0: uh, some of them were mid 90s. Oh, right. Okay, yeah.
2: and
1: yeah.
0: when you were road cruising at night, I mean, the surface of the road, I presume, was still quite hot. but you know, in the early hours of the morning,
1: it was fairly yeah. warm. I mean, we we kind of did a lot of our road cruising. Uh, after sunset, maybe closer to 10, 11 o'clock at night. I mean, we rarely ever got out there right as the sun was coming up, but it was still relatively warm, but it was definitely cooler than I expected. Like I expected it to be hot as hell cause it was during the day, but it cools down pretty quick.
2: Me and Rob, when we went to look for my phone, at Nerlangi, mm. um, we went early in the morning, and uh, actually Keith was there too. I think the temperatures were like uh, maybe eighty, eighty-two, something like that. Um, just temp gunning some some spots and stuff. Um, uh, still,
0: still probably higher than we would keep them in captivity with with a night drop, because mine will go down to about seventy-six at night. Uh huh. In the snake room, and they'll have a higher spot of about eighty six in in the daytime.
2: Yeah, I I mean that's pretty much how I keep mine as well. Um, but uh, like I said, I think I think they just they they cram themselves into those rock crevices, and it's just mm-hmm. you know you're looking at that the temps we're talking about, and I think if they don't need food or need to feed or not looking for a mate, they ain't there's no am for
0: them to move. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, would, I would completely agree.
2: You know? So, but uh, have you bred Antaresia before, or is this your first time?
0: Uh, I, a long while ago, I bred um, the Spottage, the Maculosa. Okay. Um, I've never bred children, so again, this season, I've got um, a really stunning, heavily patterned pair um, mm-hmm. that I want to put together, and I've got a completely... Um, patternless pair that I want to put together as well. So uh, fingers crossed, we'll get something from them. Okay.
2: Are you approaching it the same way you
0: would do any pythons? Just dropping uh, the temp a bit. And... Pretty much, it's pretty much as a, uh, I'm. I'm sort of doing everything with the food cycling, as, as I say, dropping it right off, cooling slightly. I'm not going again. An Australian species, I'm not going to call it as as much as I would the bread lye or something like that, but there okay. will be a notice, noticeable temperature drop, and then um, I will, shall resume a quick couple of feeds February time when the heat came, comes back up and put them together. I think they're such opportunistic breeders, though, um, because of the harsh conditions they live in. I think pretty much they're one of the easiest species to breed. Um, as as pythons go um, they are very small when they hatch that is yeah. the
1: important <laughs> yeah. teeny tiny little guys they
0: are like little worms when they hatch and not as bad as some of the pit vipers because trying to um oh, a There's tiny
1: venomous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: a tiny little pit viper is a, is a lot harder but um I will be trying I'm breeding morning geckos um And in my snake building, I also have house geckos just running wild. Okay. uh, And they breed all the time in there because it stays warm uh, uh, and I feed them. Um, So there's always um, hatchling house geckos running around as well. So I'm very tempted, rather than to go down the route um, of trying to force... If they'll take live pinks to start with, great. If they won't, I will feed... Um, live house geckos, because I think even the most reluctant feeding Antaresia will be so pre programmed to go for a small lizard. Um, right. And I should give them two or three feeds of geckos to get them going before I try scenting something else.
1: Yeah, like, I've done that. I've done that with um, Dominican Red Mountain Boa, and it worked better than I'm trying just- to like convince them of. A scented rodent immediately, or you know, putting live in there immediately. It's like the first food they see is something more natural to what they're, yeah, uh, eat.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I bred um, um, Haitian boas, which are mm-hmm. the same sort of thing. Yeah. Um, no trouble. The, the, I think I had about 25 neos, and they, I would say, 20 of them fed on live pink straight away they really easy to get going.
1: Hmm. I picked the wrong bow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I mean, do you think... I don't know. Maybe sometimes they're just conditioned to uh, captivity over time. Like, eventually they come around. I just wonder if long-term, if that's, you know, good for the health of them. I think I, I, that's kind of maybe where you're going
0: with it. Um, I, th- I think if i think. As, you know, we want to push the hobby forward, Mm. um, we could keep you in a a dark room and just feed you junk food all day, and you'd survive, and given the chance, you breed, but you're not having your best life. So, you know, that's where I think we do need to step our game up a bit. We should be researching diet. We should be going to see the species we keep in the wild so we can actually experience what the temperature is like what the humidity is like what the prey items are Um, we should be providing uv we should be supplementing the food before we give it to the there's so many things we could do better um but it's it's you know it's a cycle it's moving forward it's going in the right direction Mm -hmm. yeah
2: yeah i think i think you know I, i i always go back and forth with the you know obviously seeing animals in the wild uh, we talked about this before but definitely changes your thoughts and and how you keep them i think but sometimes people have to understand that like if you're breeding snakes on any kind of large scale like at least in the states if 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 that's your approach you know they're not going to be in these you know huge enclosures it's just you know I I don't know, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I, I just think the idea, and I don't understand why they haven't, like, designed or, like, further designed, like, a rack system to be sort of like, you know, like, for instance, like, why not make the tubs taller, You know what Mm. I mean? Like if you're going to, you know, because some species do well in tubs and whatnot. And, uh, like I had that hell scrub, I kept it in a Viv and for a long time and had horrible success with those. I put it in a tub and boom, it thrived, (laughs) you know? So, you know, people would be like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're keeping a species like that in a tub. But like, if that's, what's going to get the animal established,
0: you can just shut the fuck up. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know? Exactly. I, I... It's the same with a lot of the boega. When you first get them, you're better off keeping them in a the tub. They seem to do really well to acclimatize in a tub before mm-hmm. you put them into a, a bigger viv. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool.
2: Yeah, we'll get into those as well. I mean, that was one species that I definitely wanted to see when we went to
0: Australia, but man, uh-huh.
2: they are awesome. All over the place.
0: <laughs> I hate you even more. I, I thought I couldn't hate you as much as I do, but I hate you even more. You've seen night tigers as well.
1: Yeah, like eight of them. And all different wow. colours. So like none of them look the same. Yeah. They were cool.
0: Amazing species. Definitely I mean, to my mind, definitely a separate species from um the normal irregularis.
2: Yeah. And it's, you know, it was interesting. I think we were talking about this through messages and whatnot, but when, oh, and you might remember this, when we were talking to Gavin, Yeah, he was talking about, you know, we were talking about pythons and how, you know, like carpets sort of fall into this subspecies type of category, but like, you know, we were talking about those children, I, and like how it looked so different only such a short span away from each other. Right. And he was more or less saying, like, there's, you know, there's a lot of species that fall into this, like, you know, from different areas look different, you know.
1: And it, it, it makes sense because he's like, if you're going to chop carpet up, why aren't you chopping up all the other python species on the continent? Right. So.
2: Now, granted, he said he's not a taxonomist, but.
0: But you know, <laughs> it makes well, sense. <laughs> There seems to be, of late, um, the Antaresia complex in Australia, um, we've got potentially at least two new species in it. Um, they're just. I mean, have you seen the pygmy-banded pythoons? Yes.
3: yes. I mean, yes. they're yeah.
0: available in Europe now. They're about, I think they're about 1,800 pounds each. Um, but they do look different.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think with, with some more work, I think... Yeah, you'll probably find cryptically, Antaresia's got a fair few species that we're just lumping in. I mean, Stipsonii orientalis and Stipsonii stipsonii look right. so different from one another. Right. Yeah.
2: Even the spotted pythons. I mean, exactly. you look at some of those, yeah, you, you yeah. know,
0: you really see a spotted pythons. The look absolutely different. Absolutely different. Further down. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So... I I'm kind I don't know I'm kind of in that camp like you know I guess it really comes down to when it's taxonomy are you a lumper or are you a splitter but like you know I I I guess I, I don't know well, I guess I'm a splitter
1: <laughs> I think everyone should be a splitter up to the point where we have science backing the clumping because it's like we start doing DNA results and DNA tests and evidence like that and it's like, well, these things are the same. They may look hideously different, but according to science, they are the same. Once that gets labeled, you kind of have to go with it because, sure, you know that's the way it is. So does that
2: count for coastals and jungles for you, Owen? Is that? <laughs> that's,
1: I'm, I'm, that's what I'm science still... said. <laughs> listen, listen, I will, I will always back a scientific backing and all that stuff. So if science says it, it's fine, right? it's going to take me a bit to get over it because somebody sits there and tells me that the albino zebra granite is a pure animal. And I'm like, D- <laughs> D-. like my brain cannot process this. So it's going to take me a bit. Right. Eventually I will get there, but for a while it's going to be like, that hurts. So if, if that's the way it is, it's the way it is. And I think a lot of times in culture, people are shown the light or what like through, through science that it's different, but things have changed so much over the years, just because of the whims of some crazy a-hole when it comes to taxonomy that we kind of also don't kind of buy into the, the, the true facts because we've seen this stuff change a million times. How many times has Morelia changed? How many times has species been in Morelia and been removed and renamed and put back in and that it's, it's insane. So eventually there will have to be one point where we can't change it any further. And there's still going to be people who argue about it. So I don't know. It's hard. Taxonomy's Mm. hard.
2: Yeah, it is.
1: Thank you for coming to my TED Talk.
2: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a favorite species of Antaresia,
0: Nipper? Um, Yeah, pathensis. I've kept them. I've never bred them. um, But I just think they're incredible looking. They're so small, brick red, just fantastic little snakes yes
2: I had them briefly I did I had uh, I had a pair for a while unfortunately they didn't make it but um, they're definitely on the list again to
0: uh, are they available easily in the states or yeah yeah that's cool yeah Um, as I say I know I find it really difficult when I listen to your your shows and you're saying uh, it's the availability of stuff is so different in Europe uh, compared to the, the United States, we can get anything. <laughs> Literally. You had we... my attention.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Seriously,
0: yeah. I can get you a unicorn if you've got cash. <laughs> uh, seriously, there are certain countries in Europe which shall remain nameless the right. Czech Republic uh, uh, <laughs> that you can get anything brought in, anything. There is King Horni in Europe. I'm sure there's Owen Peliensis in Europe. Oh, probably. No. <laughs> there's Imbricata in Europe. God damn it!
1: <laughs> yep, there it is. You got him. <laughs> it's. It,
0: it, it, I, I, I feel really sorry for you because I think that's why America has such an interest in morphs because yeah, you we can't you know good stuff you not that like can't play with the good stuff. I think it's just a different mentality because you're limited in what is available. Right. Whereas so much stuff is smuggled into Europe, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, think, I think your law enforcement is so much better, uh, <laughs> or worse, depending on your point of view. <laughs> that there's, um. less, there's less interest in morphs. There is, there is, you know, there is interest in morphs in the in in Europe, but there isn't the in the depth that it is in the States it's because there's so many other species available.
1: Well, let's put it this way. I think you got to think about it this route. When when somebody tells me, when we were told that we weren't allowed to take reticks of berms across straight lines or sell them across state lines, all we had to do was put them in a car and drive them. Like, fish and game were not coming and knocking on every single car. Like, that's just how yeah. it worked. In Europe, you could literally drive an animal across countries and borders and stuff like that if you did it correctly so it kind of seems like it's a little bit more conducive for the potential of moving an animal to get something into the united states from outside of the united states it requires some sort of port or airport or something like that and those can easily be checked so i think maybe uh things that may things it's harder for things to slip through the cracks coming into the United States.
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, let's just say, hypothetically, you found your O.M. Peliensis and put it in a parcel and sent it to the Czech Republic, air freight. The chances of that being searched are practically nil. Oh, my God. Once (laughs) it's in the Czech Republic, the next border is Germany, Uh which is an open open border you can drive without being checked straight into Germany from in Germany you've got the ham show that has a hundred thousand people through the door it's you know I can, I can drive from the ham show in Germany to my house in the UK it takes me about seven hours Wow damn <laughs> you guys do got a good <laughs>
1: This is this is the point in the show where we go that smuggling is bad. Yeah. <laughs> smuggling <laughs> like, is bad,
2: obviously. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: See, I but, don't understand why Australia doesn't open up. I just don't well, yeah. get that. I just don't understand that for the life of me. You know, I mean if we're talking about Australia. But
0: um you know, but I, what conversely, do they have to lose? are things that we can't get so easily? Yeah. And they're American species. Exactly.
1: Like Eric, why why can't we uh, I mean, there's rules uh, – some of the hardest rules about reptiles in the United States are native venomous rules. Oh, you know? yeah, 100%. It's – yeah, and why can't, if I keep native venomous and breed native venomous, why can't I export to Europe where there's clearly a demand?
0: Yeah, well, but the rock rattlesnakes, go for a fortune here. We can't get them. Yeah. Here's a question. Go
2: ahead. Isn't there a spot somewhere in the U.S. where you can keep a – Morph of a corn snake, but you can't keep an actual natural-looking corn snake,
1: Yeah, right? You want to you wanna know where it is? Pennsylvania? New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey, that's New it. New Jersey. New Jersey, the rules are you cannot have a corn snake with the same colored eyes as the wild corn snake. So... If your corn snake, because I think wild corn snakes have black eyes. I'm not right. exactly sure. Don't quote me, Joe. I apologize if you're listening. <laughs> um, but uh, if if the if Joe the corn just
2: punched a sn- wall,
1: god damn it, <laughs> that, that moron! I'm gonna get him at the next oak show. He'll forget by then. Yeah. Um, it's the if if it matches what could be considered a wild type, you are not allowed to have it. Uh, so whenever I used to sell baby corn snakes to. The pet store that would buy them from me in New Jersey, I would only be able to pick. I had to give them all the albinos because they all had the red eyes because he wasn't allowed to have any one with natural eye color.
3: Huh?
1: Like with me, I have black rat snakes. I live where black rat snakes are wild. Right. The only reason I'm allowed to have my black rat snakes without fish and game knocking on my door every once in a while is because mine are morphs, which means they do not resemble the wild ones. Right, the only reason,
2: huh?
1: So yeah, U.S. rules of reptiles are just as stupid as everybody else's.
2: I know, but it, if you lose a morph corn snake, isn't that going to be worse? Yes. <laughs> I mean, isn't yes. that going to
1: be yes. worse for the population? Is, I, exactly. Also, what's the, what's to the stop the corn snakes in the wild from having an albino? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! They occur naturally. (laughs) That's where we got them. It's it's, yeah. I know.
2: We're backwards. Uh, We're so backwards. (laughs) Okay, fair enough.
1: Of course, I'm sitting here going like, can I get these rock rattlesnakes and breed them and export them to Nipper? Yes. (laughs) How do I do this? Like, how much money is it? Like, what's the exchange rate of like you know? Pounds the dollars, like what is Wait. that?
2: Oh, and let's okay. let's forget about the money. He can get us in Bracata, Owen Pelleys, <laughs> Kinghorn. You're
1: making, making very good. Point. I will
2: <laughs> I, I will put as many rattlesnakes in a box as has to to equal out. Well,
1: Eric, <laughs> Eric's dead because you know he tried to put the rattlesnakes in the box. So yeah, it's how's your venomous skills, buddy? Because mine are not good. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah wow. Well, I guess I
2: have to go to the back to the drawing table with that.
1: Where's your dad? Uh, you can breed some rattlesnakes for us, right? He did actually breed rattlesnakes. That's what I'm saying. We'll just he put, put uh, your dad.
2: So cool. we'll, he bred we'll... uh, westerns. He, he bred westerns.
1: Let's put your father to work. My father will just be there in a corner because he's useless. Okay. And then you know we can actually <laughs> get some get some good stuff coming from Europe. So yeah, you know the,
2: the the freakiest of all the rattlesnakes that my dad ever kept was the easterns. Yeah. Yeah, because they're so big.
0: Yeah. They are big. That's absolutely huge venomous snake. The size of the head—it's ridiculous. Oh my god!
2: Yeah, holy shit! I—I I was so intimidated by those snakes, man. Like,
1: yeah, they were just, whoo. Now, uh, Nipper, you said you had an elapid. What was it?
0: Oh, it—it was—it was a child's elapid. It was, um, take coral cobras okay beautiful have you seen them really I have yeah, yeah beautiful yeah. things but too fast
1: so if you so you'd never kind of wandered into you never thought about wandering maybe over into like mamba territory
0: no i've got friends that have got mambas um they're cool but they're too hard work um, <laughs> oh my god yes <laughs> um <laughs> They're stunning-looking things, but not for me. I'm just obsessed with rattlesnakes, to be honest, at the minute.
1: Yeah.
0: I know you take those for granted. See, to you... We do,
1: yeah.
0: (laughs) How you feel about herping Australia...
1: Yeah.
0: ...is how I feel about herping America. Mm, Uh, okay. That's cool. When I was... When I was a child, you know, you're looking at books when you're younger, when you're, you know, you're getting into your herping, and yep. it probably had a carpet python on the cover or a black-headed python or a woma or something like that. Okay. I grew up looking at books of rattlesnakes. It's like the, the, the rattlesnake is the most iconic venomous snake for me. Yes. Yeah. To see one in the wild, I would just lose my shit, quite frankly. Okay. Um, the same with the copperhead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and really common stuff for you. It's one of my most wanted things to photograph in the wild.
1: I would love to see them in the wild. I would I would, I would. love to see them in you the wild. You haven't seen them, Owen? Copperheads? No, because some guy keeps going herping without me. I got on, a spot for you, my on friend. Days, on days <laughs> when I'm working, you know. Yeah. All right, yeah. well,
2: we'll fix that.
1: Thank you. That's yes, all so I ask. We'll but um, I, I will agree with Nipper. It's like, it's like the problem we have is is that, over here, it's like every zoo we've ever gone to when we were children all the way up to adulthood has like one timber or one e- or one diamondback rattlesnake. It's just like it's just one of those things. Yeah. And you kind of get beat over the head with them and you kind of almost forget every once in a while just how cool of a species they really are and how unique they are because of the rattle and because of all this other stuff. So it's like every zoo in the U.S. has a rattlesnake and a gaboon viper. And they always have a timber rattlesnake and a copperhead in the same container. And it's just like, oh. And, like, you kind of just breeze past them. And you kind of almost seem to be reminded every once in a while how cool they are.
0: So, Have you seen um, liar snakes in the wild? Mm, no. No. That's, a, that's another massively iconic snake from the America that I want to photograph. <laughs> liar snake. I don't even think I don't know, know what the hell that, that, that is. That. Yeah. What
1: is a up. liar snake?
0: No, you get them in Arizona.
1: Ah, okay. Fine. So,
0: uh, it's on my list to look out for. There you go. Um, I'm
2: looking it up real quick. I am too. As we talk. Well, maybe Owen will beat me
1: to it. I did. <laughs> um...
0: Okay. Hmm. Huh. It's weird. Kind of an American bow Really? Yeah. yeah. It
2: kind of has like a corn snake. Well, at least the one I'm looking at.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah like I mean, a like, corn
2: snake type of pattern with yeah. a mix of rattlesnake, but the head of a bowie.
1: It doesn't yeah. help that as you go through the pictures, it's like, and Gray Band kingsnake. It's like, wrong. So, like yeah, it's... Uh, but no, this is cool. Oh, Weird turned
2: looking. me on to something. Very, <laughs> very cool. Why didn't we know that? Why are well, snakes... if yeah. you want to see Copperhead's... And rattlesnakes come to Pennsylvania. Yep. I have spots you're guaranteed to I'm, find.
0: I'm, it's on my list. Don't worry, it's on my list.
2: Uh, I, it is cool. I, I will tell you this: like when, you know, seeing them at the zoo or something like that, to me was one thing. But then to go and see them in the wild, that was completely different. That just 100%. changed my whole thought of rattlesnakes and you know i mean they were everywhere and i'm just thinking like we're just hopping around these rocks like doo 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 doo. you know no it's big venomous deal. <laughs> animals <laughs> and then when we yeah. were coming back down after we found one then we started finding all these ones and i guess it was just the timing or whatever was the you know the sun was going down i guess they were coming out um but they were everywhere and just in this section of rocks, so many different colors and patterns and looks to them and wow just really really impressive you know so you're killing me here yeah
1: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah
2: but we'll, we'll get you there we'll get you there yeah no we'll <laughs> um but yeah okay so
0: what led you to where want to work with uh boyega um it's it's one of those it's a kind of species you could have in the uk that's venomous but you don't need a license for
3: Oh, okay.
0: So a lot of people that don't want to go through the um, the time and hassle of getting the DWA license and the and the financial side of it, it's expensive to have a license. Uh, it costs around uh, I think mine's cost me about seven hundred fifty for two years. Okay. It Has to be renewed every two years. So a lot of people, rather than have something that's on the DWA list, they will go for a rearfang species that's not on the list. So a lot of people start off with um, Boiga, I just think they're fascinating snakes. Uh, You know, you see the night tigers, they're so long and grassy and kind of unique bodied snake. Yes. Yeah. And also, another thing, I mean, I'm sure, I think, uh, Eric, you're slightly younger than me, but a similar sort of generation, it was always on the cover of Reptile magazine or something like that. was the the mangrove snake. It's such a strange snake. Everybody wanted one. and I've I've got mangroves now. I love them. They're among my favorite snakes in my collection.
2: How do you find them as far as temperament?
0: Are they... Uh, They're psychotic, obviously. But um, all the best snakes are psychotic. Nobody wants a calm snake. (laughs) Exactly.
2: So you're getting that threat display a lot?
0: Oh, 100%. Um, Nice. The thing I personally think with um, Oeiger is, as, I mean, I I talk to Bill Hughes a lot. I think he's a fabulous snake keeper. Um, They're one of the species that thrives on neglect. And they're not a snake to be handled and fussed. They're a snake, you know, to observe sort of thing. So. You don't need to. I don't. I try not to stress them out too much. I find they're a really sensitive genus. Boiga re- goes off his food, goes off their food really quickly if they're upset. So um, it's all kind of about routine, and I don't, you know, don't handle them unless I have to. on cleaning out or something like that, and then I tend to hook them out. Um, lights on and off at the same time, that sort of thing. Bit like green tree pythons. I don't think they should be handled. I think they're to be looked at and. I think they do better like that.
2: Now, when I when I again, that's another species that my dad kept was the mangroves. But he had this real, like, what he did is he took a fish tank and he took the glass out of it and then put it so it stood. I think it was eight feet tall. Wow! And he just kind of, um, you know, filled it in with. Uh, I guess I think he used plywood or something like that, and had all these different branches and, you know, sticks and whatnot, and, you know, they just constantly, you know, cruising around, and what he kind oh, of, he kind of so really, cut really, off the top right. of it so that you couldn't, you know how it's like sometimes at the zoo, you can't, like, see necessarily straight on up into the top of the, the cage?
1: Right, yeah. You
2: know what I mean? So, so we put, like, a piece of wood in the front of it so that the snake could go up and hide in the top, and, you know, I guess we'd feel secure, but... At nighttime, you'd come down and there it was cruising around, you know, it's pretty cool. I,
1: I want mangroves. I want them so badly. <laughs> which, um, which subspecies do you want? I don't know. Don't care. Give me that one.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so how do you keep them? How do you, what's your setups like?
0: Um, it depends on whether they're captive bred or wild caught. Okay. If I get, I mean, mangroves come in wild caught most of the time and they're, um, I think it's quite good to get wild caught for the different bloodlines, okay. but they can come in in, in, in a shocking state. So when I get, if I get wild caught, I immediately keep them in a tub, um, loads of plastic plants, loads of high uh, boxes, high humidity, and I leave them. I do not disturb them at all. I'll go in a couple, every couple of days to change the water bowl. I'll spray once a night, but I do not interact with them at all. I let them really calm down. Don't even try to feed them for the first two weeks or so. Mm. Um, and then I'll start introducing food. When they've taken five or six meals, I'll then um, move them into a bigger viv. For adults, um, my adult mangroves are in a four by four by two. Um, I keep them separately because they can predate on one another.
3: Oh, God. So- <laughs> no. No. <laughs>
0: I keep them in a 4x4x2. Four by four by um, the other bowie that I've got that don't necessarily get so big, I'll keep in 4x3x2s, um, by by and I've got some in 3x2x2s. By two by okay. All
3: right.
0: That's cool. Do you, what do you do as far as temperatures? Are they. Um, temperatures, I'm a big fan of ambient temperatures as well. So, okay. although I, I, my. Uh, Fiance is so supportive of my hobby, but it has to be outside. She won't have anything in the house, so I, <laughs> which is fair enough. It's not her sure. thing. Yeah. Right? Um, so I've got a building. Um, so I am limited in so much as I need to keep things where the temperature fluctuations are fairly similar, which is another reason at the moment I'm not keeping European vipers because they need massive temperature drops at night. Gotcha. um whereas it's, it's not so difficult uh, at the moment the thing i've got that needs the biggest temperature drops are the bread lie and i actually take them out of the snake building to cool them down because it's never going to get cold enough in there for them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but everything else um kind of ambient in the daytime is around 84. they've all got individual heaters um in their vivs for specific temperatures so some require a lot higher temperatures than others But the ambient stays about 84 to 85. And at night, i pretty much turn all the heating off and it'll go down to about 75, maybe a little bit lower, depending on the time of year. And they seem to thrive at that. Um, They're very heavily planted vivs. Um, Some have got live plants in. They're not fully bioactive, but they lean towards more of the bioactive than the sterile. Mm -hmm. Um, So they've they've got orchid bark They've got a lot of tree branches They've got whole uh, logs in there Some have got live plants, some haven't They get uh, a daily spray first thing in the morning And they'll get a spray just before lights out Um, And the the light cycles vary um, seasonally but the lights generally come on about an hour after natural dawn. It's got a big window in it, so they get a natural dawn, and the, okay. the lights will go off about an hour before sunset, and again, they get a natural sunset through the window. Um, and as I said before, I think the secret with Boega is leave them alone. Don't try and get them out and do anything. Just leave them alone. Mm. Most of mine drop feed Um, so I don't even tongue feed, most of them I'll drop feed Uh, and depending on the species, I'll either be feeding them quail um, dale quail, um, because they can't take big food I mean, their heads are quite small, their gape isn't that big, they're not like pythons Mm -hmm. that consume a massive meal, I mean they're tree snakes they've got to move around in trees sort of thing, Mm -hmm. so I tend to feed lots of small things rather than one big thing, so even my Biggest, which, which are the, uh, the dendrophilia dendrophilia, which are probably six foot and, you know, reasonably thick, they rather have a meal of five or six day-old quail or five or six rat pups than one big rat or something like that. Gotcha. Okay. Um, the smaller species, I will feed geckos to, day-old quail or, or fluffs, something like that. And, and a lot of the time... Um, Every other feeding will be frogs' legs or parts of frogs' legs.
1: Okay. Interesting. Okay, it's a mix of that.
2: And um, as far as uh, you know, getting them established and in, you know, if they're wild caught, do, do you do you let time pass by before you, you know, treat them or one hundred percent?
0: Yeah, I think okay. a mistake a lot of people do. They get a, they get the, They go to the show. They get a wild caught snake that's that's you know that's severely dehydrated. It's travelled halfway around the world. It's sat in some importer's um, warehouse for a bit. It comes to the show. Then you drive it home, and then they expect it to feed and be okay with medication straight away. So as I said, I don't. I just make sure they're hydrated, and I leave them for at least two weeks before I try and feed them. And I won't medicate. Until they've had, until they've got good body weight on again. Okay. Yeah. In the wild, it's 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 quite natural for them to have the the various nematode worms, you know, and um, flukes and stuff like that. It, it's a symbiotic right. relationship, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the parasite sure. like, doesn't kill the snake because right. that's that's its that's its food source. So as as long as the snake's immune system can cope with that, that's fine.
3: She's keep I often,
0: going to yeah, yeah. I often, I often think if you're trying to either inject or give a lot of food with, with um chemicals in it to the snake immediately its immune system's already stressed from travelling let it put some body weight on let it feel calm and then start the medication gotcha. i will i will medicate everything but i will leave it for probably 2 or 3 months before i worry about parasites Right. Everything's quarantined anyway. They, you know, they're not going to pass anything on.
2: Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Um, are they, I mean, I know you kind of talked about getting them to go, but are, are they difficult to sort of get going as wild caught feeding and stuff?
0: I find, um, in all honesty, I find captive bred hatchlings a lot harder to get feeding <laughs> Shit. than wild caught imports. Such really... would I've never had a wild caught import that after a few weeks of been left alone in a well planted tub hasn't taken food, um, and that's drop that's drop feeding as well. That's not taking it off the tongs. I'll just put either a live gecko in, or I'll put a, a frozen thawed small mouse in, or a, oh a hatchling God. quail, and they'll take it overnight. It's the hatchlings are a nightmare to feed.
1: (sighs) Which is weird because there was so much. um, We saw a ton of clutches of uh, mangrove snakes hatch this year alone in the US. I mean, I saw a ton of them coming out of certain others. And I wondered, I always wondered how, like, I haven't seen, we saw all the hatch announcements and stuff like that, but I haven't seen really many. Up in the running and up for sale and stuff like that. So I wonder if they're having yeah, I think, horrible um, times with it.
0: Dendrophilia, dendrophilia, all the all the all the dendro subspecies, I think they tend to do better. Okay. When you get some of the really small species like um selenensis or cyania or something like that, they are such fussy feeders. Because in uh, the wild they're completely lizard and amphibian feeders. Mm. so if you're trying to stuff a pink into it they've got no idea what a pink is they're not interested and they're so small I mean they make corn snake hatchlings look huge
1: oh, oh my god
0: wow. so um, yeah they are, that's my, in my experience it's, it's, the, it's the hatchlings that are really hard to feed not necessarily the wild caught stuff
2: Here's a here's a question that, that this is more for... I'm just throwing this out there for more of um, people that are more getting into keeping snakes and whatnot. So if you have a wild-caught animal, what's your process in getting it hydrated?
0: Yeah. Um, again, it depends on the species. Right. If you're looking at something like um, Boega, which is an arboreal snake, right. if you've got a well-planted fib. I will obviously have a water bowl in there. I mean, you you can put the um, the dirolites in there um, to help. You know, if they're going to drink out of a water bowl. In my experience, wild caught arboreal snakes very rarely drink out of a water bowl.
3: Right.
0: Uh, so I spray the viv, making sure if if you've got enough plants in there, they would they drink off the plants. Um, so I just make sure that they'll work. I put a big water bowl if they want to bathe. Oftentimes you just see them just taking the water of the droplets off the side of the tubs or off, off the plants.
2: Right. My thought with the night tigers and just looking at their environment would be that if they're drinking, or even just the pythons, really, if yeah. they're drinking – they would be drinking out of like – so like as you're climbing up the side of these rock escarpments, yes. just like these little tiny pockets where if it rained, water would
1: just – Water burn. would go there, Yep.
0: Right. What do you think about um, condensation early in the morning? Do you think that – is there areas where you might get um, a couple of minutes, a few minutes of dew on the ground or is it just psychotically hot there all the time? You're not going to get –
1: you might, I mean, especially if it rained, because a lot of times it yeah. would just downpour for like five minutes and then it would instant daylight, you know, stop raining. If that happened, I think one time we were there, it happened kind of overnight or during the night. I think you'd get some dew or some sort of uh, humidity that caused kind of like a hazy kind of stuff potentially in the, in the daylight, but it would quickly burn off. But wow. you might get some, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to remember when we went back that early morning uh, to Nerlangi. And I, I would say, probably, you'd probably get it. I would say it's a, like Owen said, a very short window, but I, I would think that you'd probably get it for, for a
0: little bit. Yeah. All right. I was talking to um, Scott a while ago. I mean, he knows fuck all about snakes, quite frankly. I mean, Right. <laughs> Doesn't he? <me. laughs> he knows fuck all about Australian stuff. Yeah. But anyway, um, no, I was talking to him about the night tigers, and I don't know if you if you got his new book. It's excellent. Yes. The, yeah. yeah. Have you seen the photographs of the night tigers in there? Yes. Yes. Three distinct colour forms. Yep. Yes. I mean, but, you know, and if you think, I mean, Australia has been isolated for millions of years from everything else. So you've got evolution of specific snake species, which are completely different. So You've got the alapids, you've got the blackheads, you've got the womers, completely different evolutionary path Mm -hmm. from everything else. The night tigers have to be a different species from the Indonesian stuff, I think. There's such a gap between them.
1: Um, I would agree. <laughs> I would agree, but then also, but there's not really that much of a gap between the Darwin and the Papuan Pipe uh, IJs. Papuan? <laughs> Papuan I don't give a fuck. Uh, IJs. I'm trying not to say IJ anymore, but... Um, oh, look at you. Yeah, shut up. Uh, but there's not that much of a difference between them. So I'd say it works well in theory, but it might not be working well in practice.
0: But if you if you're looking at the distribution, yeah, they they are reasonably close because they're the top end of Australia. Right. But if you look at where the night tigers are, the, the distribution is quite a lot of Australia.
1: True. I do So so now I'm sitting here and it's like, well, are you going to get the ones that are closer at the top end of Australia? Are they going to be more closely related to? The Indo species than the ones further to yeah, inland. Yeah, I think, I think yeah.
0: make Australia like the um like the, the the theories that there's more than one scrub python in right. Australia. I'm, I'm sure that what they call night tigers is made up of two or three different species.
1: Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that's I I I'd buy into that, you know, and then we can all get messed up on that train, <laughs> you know. It's like. Uh, we can all try to figure out what the hell night tigers are, but, um, I would buy that. So, but the research hasn't even been done or anything like that has it. So.
0: We need to spend more time out there. You need to go out there again.
1: Eric, (laughs) get your bag back up (laughs) near I mean, back up the mountain again. Yep. So, uh, yep.
2: I would tend to agree with that. I, I think uh I think there's probably more than meets the eye and I think that our understanding of that as technology advances is gonna become I think what you were saying earlier, Owen, the science will kind of, you know show us I mean, think about it, like water pythons in yes. water pythons the same thing, right? Yep. But they're separate species. Well, they they haven't officially been separate species. They are not. But the ones you would find in Indonesia, I think even the ones that from Queensland and from the Northern Territory are different species.
1: Yeah. I mean, the problem is, is that Australia so, is so harsh that you would have almost little pockets of different species, or, or you'd have know, little pocket species that kind of go their own little path here. Um, And eventually you'll have some kind of like divergence of that, but uh, it's difficult to kind of try to peg it all down. And especially with uh, you have stuff up high and down low and things are constantly changing and everything looks the same yet kind of different. It's it can be hard to peg it. So I don't know.
2: I guess we'll have to go get samples, shed samples, or something. Are we allowed uh, to take blood
1: samples <laughs> over there? I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. Probably. No, no it's for science. Is <laughs> they're arresting us? It's like,
2: yeah. I, I swear.
1: I swear, it's for science. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Yes. Oh dear. Um, yeah. Are, do, do you work? You don't work with the night tigers,
0: do you? No, we can't get them. Yeah, I have irregular. So. I, I, I keep irregularis. Right. Okay. But they're not Australian irregularis. We, we we just can't get them. Well, I say we can't legally get them.
1: Okay, right. but through the Czech Republic, maybe.
0: Oh Um, <laughs> um but no, I, I keep normal irregularis, which which are fantastic species. I really like them. Right.
2: Okay. And they're they go up into Indonesia, into Papua New Guinea. Is that where
0: yours are from or uh, mine are from Sulawesi. Okay. Okay. So uh, but they've got quite yeah, a long, yeah. dist- they've got quite a big distribution. But again, the the problem with Boiga is they're so cryptic. Um, it's really hard to know whether it's one widespread species or it's lots of little species. They're forever starting to split stuff. Yeah. But so, uh, <laughs> my my ones are from Sulawesi.
1: So. Do you just want the Night Tigers, the Australian Night Tigers, because you can't get the Australian
0: no, Night Tigers? I want them <laughs> so bad because I think they're just stunning.
1: They are. They're really pretty. And
0: even if you know, even if they were in every pet shop, I'd still want them. They they're just an amazing looking snake.
1: I do like their eyes.
0: It's so. like a venomous Woma, Python. Exactly. <laughs> that, exactly that. It's like a skinny venomous Woma.
1: <laughs> it's about the same mentality, too. I mean, right. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't know. I, I thought they were pretty chill. Some were pretty chill. Others, like I, I think we saw out of the eight we saw, two were like, get the hell away from me. Um, or they didn't just wanted to escape. I mean, but we did have some good ones that sat still for pictures.
2: I mean, we, off the record, kind of like kind of pick them up, you know. Um,
1: <laughs> are, are we really off the record when you say it on a podcast?
2: No, but you know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought that they were. I thought they were going to be a lot, uh, you know. Going from my experience with mangrove snakes, I thought that they would be worse. You know. Yeah, I think that...
0: mangroves. Um are particularly aggressive. I think a, a lot of the, um, in my experience, a lot of the, the smaller, um, more gracile species, you know, the irregularis, uh, the synia, um, stuff, things like that, they're, they're not as aggressive. Gotcha. Mm. Okay.
3: But
0: when you get up to it and when you've got um, the cynodon, the dog-toothed cat snakes that get to about eight or nine feet, they can be aggressive. But they're still really skinny and small. It's not like, a, not like an aggressive python.
2: Mm. That was the one thing that I did notice about them seeing them in the wild was how thin they were.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is true.
2: You know, um, such a big, you know, wide head. I don't know if big's the right word, but the jaws were just wide as opposed to
0: the body to just. Yeah, and almost total lizard feeders and amphibian feeders out there. Yeah.
2: And there's definitely plenty of it. So, yeah, you could definitely see why. uh... You know, the weird thing was is that we didn't find any in the trees. They were all on the ground.
1: Yeah, that is weird. Well, also, how we were really looking in the trees. I mean, we had to remind ourselves to look in the trees for the Owen Pelly. I mean, half the time we were looking at the ground or underneath stuff. So, for all I know, I walked past one or two.
2: I mean, yeah, sure, it's possible. But like, yeah. even the one that me and Rob stumbled upon when we were going back up—you're
1: uh, running, yeah—when <laughs> we
2: were running, I mean, that thing was just right there in the like. Uh, think of like Spinifex grass, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of like maybe. What would you say? Like three foot high, two, three foot high. It's just yeah. It's uh, about where they
1: scratching up my ankle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: Nice. So have you bred uh, any Boega? Uh, only one of it so far. I've only bred the uh, Okay.
3: Nice. which
0: is the, the uh, black-headed. Um, I've currently got eggs on the go for those. Um, Coming season 2020, I'm hoping to do Dendrophilia, Dendrophilia, and Irregularis.
2: How are they as far as
0: breeding? Difficult? Or are they... Straightforward? I think they're reasonably straightforward if they don't eat one another. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that all? you take taken all this time and trouble to grow on a snake and, you know, maybe rehydrate it if it's wild-caught and get it back to health, and then you put it together and the big female just snacks on it. So... Uh,
2: Starting to see a theme with your reptile collections, you know? I know Owen likes the aggressive ones. You like ones that... Cannibalistic. They
1: like, yeah, eat it's, each other. Yeah.
2: Poplins.
1: <laughs> that is my greatest fear is uh, putting my Kelly Kings together, coming back, and there's only one. Like, oh, no, what happened? Like, yeah, no. Yeah. So-
2: so, with that, like what's your you leave them in there overnight? Do you leave them in there for like what? When do you feel comfortable that you can kind of like, or are you watching them constantly when they're together?
0: No, uh, I mean, it's it's one of those things you've just got to take the risk. Um, they hate disturbance. So, um, gotcha. I'll feed them up uh, as much as possible uh, just before. Um, maybe even wait to the females in shed um, and then. Just introduce them and just leave them, leave them to it for a few weeks, move them out, feed them again, and put them back in.
2: Mm. Now, now do you find male into female's cage, female into males?
0: It doesn't um, matter. Male, male into female's cage. Gotcha. Um, I, I, I don't know if it matters that much. It's just the way I've always done things, whether it be pythons or right. Uh, right. cobras or whatever.
2: I always kind of thought, I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I always kind of thought that the male, like, I guess just observing carpets in my early days, they would constantly be cruising. So that would lead me to think that they're looking for a female. So I would think that the female would kind of stay put and the male would naturally go and seek out that female so that, you know, it just seemed natural to put the male. But I would imagine it don't matter.
1: I think you're right because it's one of those things of, like, I think the male is prepared to be in a place where things don't smell like him and things are not appropriate. He's seeking her out. So if the cage smells like her, that's great. If I put her in his cage, I think she would be more freaked out. You know, I kind of want her to have home base on this. So,
2: See, that's the deal with the pop ones that makes me nervous as far as because the female
1: will eat the, ma- <laughs> like the yeah. you know what then, I mean then it's, it's, it's neutral third party cage you put, them, <laughs> you put them in a completely new cage that you've bleached the hell out of so they, nothing smells like anybody and here you go like right. you know yeah I, I mean
2: now with the Boega are you noticing locks like right away do they do any kind of like do um, they give you any kind of signals that say like
0: uh, we're on the right track uh, to be fair, I'd completely leave them alone. It, oh. The 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 vivs are very well planted. Gotcha. Obviously, they're completely nocturnal. Just let them get on with it. Don't fuss them at all.
2: Okay. Okay. That's a good approach. <laughs> I kind of do
0: that too. Just yeah, uh, just is what it put is. Put them th-
1: put them together. Walk them the them hell away.
0: <laughs> That's it. Just leave them alone.
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, it's kind of what I'm doing with the Karibo right now. It's like I put them together and nobody killed each other. So I'm like, all right, not touching. You guys are good. Leave you alone. So,
2: Now, with these as opposed to the Antaresia, I mean, do they follow? Do you follow the same time where you're dropping everything
0: or do they breed at different no, times so of year? If you think where they come from in the wild, the temperatures are fairly stable. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 there'll be a slight temperature drop just because the ambient temperature in the room will drop. Sure. Uh, Okay. But I won't do a drastic temperature drop like I would do for other species. Um, I will spray more at certain times of the year, Um, but as far as temperatures go, I I keep them fairly. They won't drop much above 78.
2: Now, is the spraying for humidity purposes,
0: or is that...? Um, spray, yeah, just to increase the humidity, just to mimic what will happen. Obviously, where they come, where all Boiga come from, apart from the Australian species, right. you're going to get um, a wet season, a monsoon season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just to replicate that, really. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Okay.
2: And then, as far as to the babies, it's just pretty straightforward from there. There's no, uh,
0: Uh, The babies are just a nightmare to feed. Oh,
1: really? Uh, Well, yeah, other than that. (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh,
0: (laughs) right. Setting the babies up is is fairly simple. Um, I tend to use, I don't know if if you have an equivalent in the States, but uh, all the European shows, there's kind of standard arboreal baby tubs for sale. Okay. Um, They're probably a foot high by 10 inches by 10 inches. Okay. Uh, with okay. a mesh lid, like a little plastic thing, and they'll they'll stack quite nicely, um, and they're super cheap. You know, that's what everybody will use. You get them at all the shows. So I tend to you put a plastic plant in there, okay, and, um, some branches, and that's what I'll use for the um, for the neos um, until they, they get established. As they, as they get bigger, I just increase the tub size. I'll keep neos in tubs, right, um, until they're sort of year to 18 months old, and then I'll move them into a Viv. I use um, a lot... Do you have Exoterra in the States? Yeah. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Yeah? I use a lot of the vertical Exoterras for the smaller Boeager until they get to adult size.
1: I do like those. I mean, depending for our Boreal stuff, they're cool. I know a lot of people who use them with geckos and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Very cool. Yeah. All right. Um, Before we we're going to touch a little bit on some field herping, and I know our time is coming up. But I wanted to just take a a sidetrack for a second, and this wasn't on the thing. But first of all, congrats on uh, getting the bread lie category in that
1: category.
0: I was (laughs) so stoked for that. All
1: you had to do was threaten to punch us at least a few times, and we got it. (laughs) I
0: wasn't going to punch you. It was a stingy leg slap.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. right. It was a stingy leg slap, which I feel is worse so yeah (laughs) have you uh,
2: first of all uh, to me this captures to me what i love about breadline more than anything is that they're red at the top but the tail is black (laughs) it's just and it's got this little like you know brick red uh, you know tipping coming through a little bit but like with your i mean is that a specific bloodline or what's going on with that one
0: no, they are just from Europe. They, um, I bought them from quite a quite well-known um, breeder mm-hmm. uh, in Europe. Um, and that's fairly standard for where we are. Okay.
1: That's cool. That's a good-looking animal.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, beautiful. But when, <laughs> again, when you think in Europe, whereas in, in the States you are so – focused on, right, which bloodline is this, who's bred this, blah, blah, blah. Because right. there is such an availability, there's thousands of bloodlines. There's so much wild-caught stuff. Um, right. People don't tend to bother too much on a specific bloodline if it's not a morph.
2: Gotcha. Right.
0: So I, I think maybe the appearance of um, some of the European bread lie are more to do with the... The larger input of wild-caught stuff that we've had.
1: Right.
2: Yeah, wow. That's a stunning animal.
0: Stunning, stunning. <clears throat> have, you, have you bred them before? Or? No, I haven't. No. Um, I don't think I'm getting the temperatures down low enough. Oh, no, really? That's what the problem is. Um, but uh, fingers crossed. It's, it's, a, it's, it's an ongoing project. All right. Well,
2: there we go. Okay, cool. So what do you have? You have a pair, right? A pair? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Awesome snakes. Awesome. So as far as Morelia goes, I think they're like the most underappreciated of the whole group.
0: I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I, I can actually remember the very first... I'm so old. I can actually remember (laughs) the very first time I saw one at a show. Right. Uh, And I think it was something like, for one, it was around two and a half thousand pounds. Holy
1: crap! I saw a pair of adults at a show for two hundred dollars
0: exactly last and week. Well, <laughs> I mean, like you know, <laughs> I went. I went to International Snake Day a couple of weeks ago, and I yeah. think you could buy neos there for around fifty euros, something like that.
1: Oh so, my god! It it well, yeah,
0: prices. But I, they are so underrated. I think it's one of the best. Well, Pets, for want, for want of a better word, pet snakes you could have. Yes. They, they do get quite big.
1: Yeah. If
0: it's you can cope plus. with the size, they are. I mean, it's a red snake, for God's sake. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they're bomb proof. The heads are fantastic. They're great feeders. Yeah. I, I just, you can't fault them, really.
1: They have great temperament, and, and they really are like the quintessential. I, when I've bred non-more specific bread lie, I always kind of hoped I would be a little male-heavy, which I usually was every year because people bought the males just as pets. They just wanted a bread lie as a pet, like a big old bread lie, especially when I brought – I usually brought my breeding female with me to the shows and kind of display her because then people would want her even more because she was just very well-behaved. She didn't give two craps, and I didn't put her on her heat because she's a bread lie. She can withstand anything, so it was – you know, it, it, they're I think a very underrated, should be very popular uh, reptile.
0: 100. I couldn't agree more. I mean, um, which is why I mean, you know, technically you can't have them, but oh. the Im- I think the Im- <laughs> are are the same. are, uh. you know, they're very they're going to be very hardy. They're a unique looking thing. Just they need to be more available to people.
1: One day, wh- buddy, you'll get your imbricada. Yes,
0: <laughs> one day.
2: <laughs> one day. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe I'll see them in the wild in March. You know, that's Ooh. the goal. So that's the goal.
1: Rob, better watch. If there was ever a moment where Eric might smuggle something.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nah, I got to be able to go back, you know,
1: I mean. That's true. If you're arrested and deported, they'll never be able to go back. Right. Yep.
2: So cool. So, all right, let's, let's talk a little bit about your field herping, but first I have to say, man, amazing pictures. What's, what's your secret? What's your secret? Oh,
0: I don't know. I'm just, (laughs) (laughs) at the right time, I think. Um, I mean, you, you know, the score you've been, you, you field herps. It's it's some of the times that the lighting is just so good when you're out in certain countries. Um, it's knowing knowing your species. I've got a fairly decent camera kit, I'm lucky. I've got uh, it's one of those things. Um a lot of my friends are professional wildlife photographers. Okay. that's cool. Yeah. Their skills, you know, just being around them helps you take better pictures. Um okay. but um and I have been doing it for a long time.
2: Okay, I find awesome. that like I have to take like five thousand pictures to get the one in focus, which
0: I guess it's kind of like everybody's, but I don't know. It's. You are you know, using um digital SLR? Or are you using a a compact? Or are you using a?
1: He's using a Polaroid. It's really awkward. It's <laughs> no, like, uh, I'm shit. using it's those. Uh, what are they
2: called? Just... What's their those old cameras called? Oh, the winder. The wind no, 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 oh,
1: no, 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 no. Shit. It came out in the black, '80s, Polaroid. outer yeah. flash. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you found
2: out the little picture out of the thing. You know, you yeah. run off and shake it. Yeah. Yeah. Is that exactly. what you're talking about? No. Yeah, that's what uh, I'm saying.
1: A... We a... We're waiting there, and you're just shaking it and going, like, eventually we'll see what the picture of the Owen Pelly python looks like. Right. You know. No. Yeah.
2: I got a, uh, you know, just a regular Canon DSLR. That... Oh, okay. Yeah. You know. Well, that's that's your problem to start with. You're using ca- <laughs> Canon.
0: <laughs> 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 What do you use? What do you use? It's all about the Nikon, darling. Ah, (laughs) gotcha. Okay, I gotcha. Uh, No, I mean, these days, all cameras are so good. I'll be perfectly honest, my camera kit, particularly with one of the bigger lenses on it, probably weighs two kilos or something like that, which I carry around all day, and I end up taking more pictures on my phone than anything else. (laughs)
2: I know, but, you know, phones are getting so good nowadays that, you know, I would have meant, uh, you know,
0: I don't know. I've got, I've got the new iPhone. The camera on it is just ridiculous. It really is. It makes me feel like just dumping all my heavy camera kit and not bothering. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah but you have, but then you have to get fit. Like, it's great up until the point where you have to zoom in on something and then that, you got a problem. That's the
0: thing, yeah. I mean, if yeah. you're just taking record shots, your phone is fabulous. Right. Um, I'm lucky enough that I've had some bits and bobs reproduced for books, and now uh, obviously a fabulous calendar. Um,
1: <laughs> so so if you, fabulous!
0: But yes, <laughs> if, you, if you want something that's gonna that's gonna you can tinker with, and it's gonna get blown up a little bit. Obviously, you need your DSLR. Yeah. Uh, and uh, again, you know, for your own Pelly and all that sort of thing. Thank God you had somebody with a 600 mil lens there. Because, <laughs> so you, oh. you know, if you'd have come back and gone, yeah, we saw Owen um, Pellensis, we'd have gone, yeah, right.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Nobody uh, you... would have believed this. No, that was yep. the
1: main point of us standing there for about an hour eating a grass. Twice
2: swallowed six yeah. <laughs> grasshoppers. And Yeah, exactly. We had to oh stand, my goodness there
1: till, till we got a shot that everyone would believe like yeah that's exactly the point exactly
0: you know, it's, pictures or it didn't happen right.
1: exactly. you know
2: you know it's funny you I think earlier on you were talking about how excited we must have been and when you were saying that I, I I'm, I'm running through what had happened, and I remember me, Owen, Rob, Rob Rob's kind of a weird cat, man. He kind of keeps his emotions tight. You know what I mean? He kind of keeps it tight. Like, he's not, he's not, you know, he's not getting too excited until he's got time. a fucking picture. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to get excited after the fact, but he kind of right. holds it in. But me, Keith, and Owen, we were like little school kids just I'm, running around sorry, like, we found one! Oh my god! You know? <laughs> I'm trying to jump up in the air and slap their hands because these guys are so tall. You know, you know. Yes, like
1: he has to do a super <laughs> Mario jump where he throws his hand up as he jumps. Yeah, yeah.
2: God damn, I, that was a good feeling, man.
0: I <laughs> yeah. completely get it, but it's so addictive. That's the trouble. That's the problem is that
1: we're going to be trying to chase that feeling now. It's like, how do you recre How do you get that back?
2: Find an imbricata. Yeah. <laughs> Or find a bread lie. Can you imagine
1: finding a bread lie? Come on. Oh, a roughy. Uh, a rough scale? Oh, oh, no. come on, dude. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it.
2: <laughs> so we know <laughs> you've herped all over Europe, right? Yeah. You know,
1: that's that's well, amazing. Like, where's
2: the... Go ahead, Owen.
1: I mean, have you made a
0: trip to Australia? Uh, I've, I've been to Australia. I haven't herped. Um, the closest okay. to Australia I've herped is New Zealand. Which has got some fant no snakes, but got some fantastic geckos uh, and frogs and that sort of thing. Australia's on my list, but i would still rather herp the U.S. than Australia.
1: (laughs) I mean, you know, New Zealand's awesome. It's where we got Eric, but uh, um, (laughs) and I get it, and I understand it. It's just it's one of those things of like. If, if you had the, all the time and the money in the world, you'd probably never stop, right?
0: 100%. It's, it's just probably, because I'm so close to being the first uh, British person to see everything in Europe, oh. i have really, really concentrated would... on that. Um, there's only four people have ever seen every species in situ and photographed it. Who are all, fr- all friends of mine. Um, I've got six species left, so I'm kind of focusing on that, but my external European trips, I cannot wait to get to the States. Uh, I also want to go to Japan, and I want to do Morocco as well.
1: That's awesome. So, out of all the species that you have left, what is the one that has been dodging you? Like, what's the one that, like, you've been in the place, and it just won't show the
0: Got there is a snake that is my nemesis. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. I just, when I find it, I should probably kill it. It's, uh,
1: <laughs> no one else will find you. <laughs> no,
0: it's called, it's, it's a colubrid, it's called a blotch snake, um, okay. which is, I think it's Latin name is Zemenis, uh, no, not Zemenis, what is it? It's Suramontes, um, longissimus Suramontes, I think. I can't okay. remember. Uh, it's the blotch snake, anyway, and... Um, I've been to look for it so many times. I've even found it roadkill. Oh, go to hell. (laughs) So that that is my big thing to see. I've got no more vipers left to see in Europe, sadly. I've seen all the European vipers. Um, I've got one newt left to see. I've seen all the other salamanders and stuff. So, uh, yeah, six things left to see, and then we can move further afield.
1: Is this this one of those things where, like, you're online and it's, like, somebody's like, oh, snake in my yard. And it's, like, a blotch snake. And you're like, what the
0: fuck? Like, come on. When you see it pop up on Flickr, (laughs) someone's walking their dog and they've posted it. Can you tell me what the snake is? (laughs) Like, when their house carpet bombed or something. It's just... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> nice that's that's horrible i hope you kind find of the it
0: equivalent of somebody going on their first herping trip to australia oh, right yeah <laughs> australia. kind of that frustrating
1: wait where are these native to? because i don't want to go there and like accidentally find one and yeah really piss you off because right. like, with your
0: luck just... you'll probably stamp on it as you step off the plane <laughs> exactly like oh shit what is this and Damn it. <laughs> uh, you need to go to sort of Bulgaria, Moldova. Okay. I will never go
1: there. So we're never good. Go
0: <laughs> so here's a question. You asked
2: us this earlier, but how did, how has field herping changed how you keep?
0: Oh, um, probably the same as yourselves. Um, it, me- it means I want to keep less species, uh-huh. but I want to keep the species I do keep better if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yep. And I just think I've got a massive, a much greater appreciation of, you know, like you were saying with, now you've seen Antaresia, you've seen how harsh the conditions they live in. Um, it, it, it will change. I saw, I keep um, telescopus, you know, the, um, they're called a European cat snakes. Okay. And I went out to Herp in Israel, which is, to my mind, probably one of the best countries in the world to hurt. It is incredible. It's, um, it's a tiny little country. I don't know if you know much about Israel, but it's... A little bit. You can, you can drive from one end to the other in about three hours. It's so wow. small. Oh, shit. Um, there's only people around the outside because they're defending it all the time. So in the middle, it's just desert. Um, you never see anybody, but the amount of species, I think for that little country, it's got around about 150 species of reptile. Holy shit. It's incredible. Um, and they get, it's a kind of a blurred thing. They get some European species and some African species. So you get the best of both worlds there. Um, it's got some great vipers. But I, I saw um, Telescopus tahara, which is the Arabian cat snake there. Okay. And, the way in your head that you think you keep it and how I was keeping it is so different to where it actually lives. Where it lives is just bare rock. There is nothing. There is, the prey items are so scarce. It must feed a handful of times a year. It's, the temperatures are incredibly hot in the daytime and near freezing cold at night. Um, no standing water at all. And yet, at home, you're keeping it in a sort of semi-tropical...
3: <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh,
0: huh. It's like tortoises. I see people keep their tortoises at home, and the diet they're giving them, you know, fabulous chopped-up vegetables and fruits and... And when I've, I've seen a lot of different species of tortoises in the wild... Right. There's nothing where they live. They're living off dry twigs half the time. It's, they only feed... They feed rapidly... They have a couple of months where there's heavy rain and there's grass and they bulk feed then. And the rest of the year, there's nothing there. And yet people are, you know, I think we, as I said before, I think we overfeed stuff.
1: Well, it's I, it's here's the thing is that if we kept them, it's like, all right, to keep them the way that they're supposed to be kept is borderline animal abuse. Sometimes it's like, OK, agree, well, yeah, you're yeah, right. all right, I'm not going to fill up. My snake's tank with a bunch of rocks and nothing in it but dirt, a uh, uh, sand, rocks, and a heat lamp that keeps their cage at a hundred and something degrees. It's like no,
0: I know, I know.
1: But that's that's what they're used to though, and that's probably where they would thrive. It's like crap. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Here.
2: Do you think? Do you think? I, maybe this is different over in the UK. But oh, and maybe yes. is your thought that because it seemed like. Field herping kind of fell out of style, if you will, um, when the morphs kind of took over uh, the hobby, if you will, so a lot of like new people that are coming into the hobby are are not exposed to that same type of thing that maybe you know like my generation or nipper's generation was exposed to, where you would go out into the field and then try to mimic. Um, you know the environment as, as best you can, or try to find out like what, what you know what are the key points that this species needs in order to survive and and where it's from, and maybe that's why snake keeping hasn't necessarily progressed because people aren't taking a step to look at that like meaning that you figured out this formula that keeps it alive, and we're just gonna kind of keep it here, but nobody's going into, you know, the environment to try to figure out like. You know, maybe we could do this better. Does that make
0: sense? It does. I, know. I, think, it does. I think you're right. In so much, also, I think there's a big ethos in the late '80s, '90s of keeping snakes being a financial thing. Okay. So right. when the um, royal python um, craze took off, yeah. and the leper gecko craze took off, and now the crested gecko craze, and so on and so on, people. I think, got into the hobby not because they were necessarily interested in how that animal uh, exists in the wild, but right. what can I breed this with? How much money can I make quickly? Right. Um, and I think we lost that. But I think now, because of the internet, because a lot of people are putting trip reports on, and it's, it's much easier now to contact people in different countries and meet up and so on and so forth, I think field herping's getting a real resurgence now, which is good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would agree to that where it's almost like you gotta think about a lot of the species that people are keeping that are kind of the morph craze species. And not a lot of people like who can sit there and say, I went out and saw the natural habitat of the ball python. Who would do that? <laughs> like, you know, it's also they're hard to find in the wild because they burrow down and stuff like that. So I don't really see people doing that. There are a handful of retic breeders that say they've gone to you know, Indo and tried and and seen the retics and stuff like that. And that's very cool. But, you know, I, I think you even get that there are a few boa people that have gone down to see, uh, red tails and stuff like that in the wild. So it's like, it's one of those things that, that I think some people do it. And those are the people who are definitely very plugged into the species and the animal beyond the fact that it's a, uh, genetic mutation and can make them some money. So I think it would definitely help if more
0: people did it. I would agree. I would completely yeah. agree. I think, I, I think, I, you know, I would encourage anybody to get out there and start seeing um, their, whether they keep that species or not. You yeah. see the whole ethos of, of of field herping, the experiences you have, not just not just with the animals that you see, but the scenery, the different cultures, and just the quality time you're spending with people. Yes. As, as, it's, it's fabulous, and it's as, as you said earlier on the thrill of trying, when you think of what you've achieved, you're trying to find a species in a massive, massive area. So yeah. actually track that species down and find it. Not, you know, it doesn't have to be as rare as Owen Peliensis, just, you know, even something as, as inverted commas, common as a, a, a northern pine snake or something like that in the wild. Sure. To actually find that is incredible. Yeah. And that becomes really addictive. It oh, yeah. sure does.
1: If, if, if you're <laughs> if you're into animals and you're into photography, going out and even just experiencing outdoors, forests, natures, parks, stuff like that where you could potentially find an animal, yeah. um, it's awesome. It doesn't matter if it's a reptile, mammal, bird, whatever the hell. You should be excited about it just finding it. I mean we're driving – Through Australia, and I'm like kangaroos, and Eric's like, I don't understand. (laughs) Like, and then, like I kept talking, and they just let me keep talking about kangaroos, and they're like, you know a lot about kangaroos. (laughs) They're like, you need to stop talking, Owen, and it's like just kept going. And then I think we found an animal and we found something and we get back in the car and Rob's like, all right, we had luck when Owen was talking about kangaroos. So Owen, (laughs) what's the difference between a red and a gray kangaroo? And we just kept going. So it's like just to be excited just to, to see the animals. I was just as excited to see a lot of the mammal stuff. I know Keith was just excited to do a lot of the bird stuff. I mean, go out and experience this stuff, find it. And you know what? I am excited for this when we get kind of past the winter months, cause I want to go to check out the stuff around here that like Eric saw, like I want to see the timbers. I want to see the copperheads. I want to kind of get out more and do some more field herping here in Pennsylvania. Cause then I don't have to go far and I don't have to spend exactly. a ridiculous amount of money on a 13 hour plane ride.
0: Well, we'll I just have, have to go to Arizona. That's all. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 13 species of rattlesnake. 13 different yes. species. Is that, is that like ground zero
1: for you? Like that would be where you would, like you're uh-huh. landing there and that's where you're going to start?
0: That, Arizona, as I say, I'm looking at flights now. <laughs> 13 species of yeah. rattlesnake in one area. That's just incredible.
1: Let us know, because I would fly to go herping with you in Arizona. I would go down to
0: Arizona. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll, I'm, I'm going to bully Eric, Eric until he agrees to come with me. It's not, not that hard
1: to bully him. It really isn't. <laughs> not with <one>. that. <laughs> it's, been, it's been eight years of this podcast. It's not hard to bu- bully him into doing anything.
0: September, four up in a car, Arizona. Liar snakes, 13 species uh, of rattlesnake, Gila monsters, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about them.
1: Damn. I do like What's, you.
0: But it's, it's it's
1: local for you. It's only a little really? <laughs> it's local enough. It's, <laughs> it's, it's less flight. It's less of a flight to, uh, what was it, six hours to Los Angeles? Yes. It's less than that.
0: <laughs> so, exactly. Exactly. Come on. You
1: don't have to go to LAX, which is
0: scary. Cause- it's unpacked on. already. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: We're going to get a date. We're going to make it happen. This is the that year. Is Absolutely. we got to bring uh, yeah, maybe Keith and Rob will tag along on this. Uh, 100%. I'm know.
1: pretty sure they would. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we had to twist their arm too much. And no. Yeah. We got yeah. It,
2: you know, the, the cool thing, you know, the, the thing that obviously you guys hit on the whole being out in nature and, you know, um, getting a feel for uh What's going on in the in the world? I find it fascinating just how the you know planet Earth works and nature works and how everything is so reliant on something else and you know it just sort of like sort of just kind of works together. You know what I mean? And and you just you're observing it with your eyes. But you know another part that often gets overlooked is is the adventures that you have with your fellow herpers. You know, you get to know them on a different level, like 100 percent, you know, and, and and you get a connection that, you know, you you, you wouldn't have otherwise.
0: No, You need yeah. to choose carefully who you go on a big herping trip with. Right. Because you're going to be tired. As you know, you're going to be tired. Yep. You're going to be hungry. You're going to be smelly and you're going to be frustrated. So you need the right people.
1: <laughs> right. Otherwise yeah. you may contemplate murder. And exactly. it's really, yeah, exactly. I
0: have to say, Owen, fair yep. play for Herpin when you was sick. That's hard. <laughs> Seriously. Well, you
1: know. I, I, I love it because, um, I called my, I called my mother cause I was getting ready to go. And I was telling her that I wasn't feeling too well. And my stepfather's like, "Well, did you get travel insurance?" And I said, "No, because I'll just die there if I have <laughs> <laughs> to." Screw that! I'm not cutting it off. Like it doesn't matter. Like Eric will drag my body on off the plane, and it's fine. So yeah, it was that was not an option. I was not not going. So I didn't
2: I didn't realize how sick Owen was <laughs> until you got back. until I got back and got what he had. Yeah. <laughs> And I just got over it now, like literally just got over it. And it was a
0: wreck, dude.
1: It hurt. Like, that that was... I mean,
0: to be fair, to be in a country with a you know a hot climate probably that help. <laughs> probably eating shit food, not yep. getting enough sleep at all because you're out road cruising at night and so on. Yeah. yeah. Fair play, man. Gnarly. I like yeah. it.
1: It was, uh, they kept sequestering me in other rooms at the Airbnbs. It was
0: like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm we like, did do that. I'm like, who wants, I'm like, you guys, like, you know, uh, like, are you sure I can get this room by myself? And they go like, yeah, 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 Oh I'm like, I, nobody wants to bunk with? They're like, no, 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 no. I think we so did
2: that were, on a subconscious level. Subconscious I didn't even realize like,
1: that. Keep the sick man away from us. It's like, they kept kind of pushing me that way. But a lot of it was a lot of drugs. It was a lot, a lot of cold medicine and thank god for uh keith's wife Teresa because she packed him like a ton of cold medicine that i myself did not bring so i got there i'm like we need to stop so i can get some medicine keith's like i got you and those pills lasted me the whole trip and kept me upright so yeah it was a gnarly time (laughs) but i wasn't gonna miss it so
2: Yep. Yeah, hell no. You would be really, really upset. If, I would be very, <laughs> very,
1: very upset
2: if we would have came back and said, I Well, so mad. Here's the deal, man.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely. hate you. Yeah. I, I...
2: We took pictures for like a good half hour, you know. That's and just...
0: amazing. And to be fair, I mean, you've probably already experienced it, but to be walking through the undergrowth or whatever and to hear a row. It's got to be the most iconic, beautiful sound.
2: Yeah. I can equate that to, I think I I told this story before, but, you know, where Matt, so Matt had found one and um, me and Zach had gone up to the top of this cliff um, with, with a pretty, pretty big drop. And he finds, he goes to the left And I go to the right, and when he goes, he finds a garter snake. And it just, you know, he's like, ah, snake, you know, and I'm like, what is it? Garter snake. Okay. So then I turn around and I just, I didn't see the snake. I heard it. (laughs) And I'm like, no
1: "No fucking way. way. (laughs) (laughs)
2: I'm just freaking out. And sure enough, this thing was like, you know, like right, like two steps away from me right on the the side of the cliff. We're trying to take a picture of it because this was like a solid black timber rattlesnake, um, which couldn't get any cooler than that big. I'm assuming it was a female, but it was big. And, um, you know, the, the one guy that was with us, he went to sort of like try to take a picture off the side and the thing, just kind of like came at him and, uh, yeah, it was kind of crazy. But, uh, But, yeah, man, that was cool, you know. And then, like I said, it was weird. When we were walking back down to go back to the spot, they were everywhere. Like, everywhere you walked, you heard that rap, you know. It was just like they were all over the place, you know. It's just like, wow, that's cool. Buzz tails. (laughs) Yeah. I cannot wait wait to hear it in the wild. Yeah, man.
0: It'll just give my head in.
2: (laughs) And the crazy thing is, Owen, it's not yep. too far from Hamburg Reptile Show.
1: I can't believe
0: <laughs> I I how
2: know.
1: close it, it is. I know. It kills me is that you're like, you, you're herping in like my backyard, but I'm like, yes. oh, I can't, I can't get away, and then I end up changing jobs and I literally couldn't get away. I should have just told the old man that I was going away for the day and skipped out, but you know,
2: we'll get up there in the spring. But- <sighs> At least we know where it's at, but man, that was that's cool. So, yeah, yeah. Man. cool stuff. So, if people want to follow you uh, to see your crazy herping adventures, where do you where do you post pictures up, and how can they uh, check out what I've you got, got
0: going on? I basically only use Instagram, so they can follow me on Nipper Reed on Instagram. Okay, cool. If they want to message me and chat field herping, they can just hit me up on Messenger, Nipper Reed again.
3: Okay,
2: cool. Man, I've had a blast. Thank you for coming on yeah, finally, it's and
0: absolute pleasure talking to you, chaps. Can I just say a really quick thank yeah. you for what you and Owen have done? You know, I know you take again, you take a lot of stuff for granted, but I, you know, having chatted to uh, the people in the UK and other people around, you push the hobby forward so much. You Really have um, not just with the carpet fest, but just getting species out there and. Just getting a community together, it's amazing. Don't take that for granted. Well, thank you. <laughs>
1: thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks a lot with
0: that one. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And also, you know, how many people do you keep company when they're cleaning out snake shit or on a night duty or a long flight? <laughs> it, Again, it, it's something, you know, it's part, yeah. of your, part of people's lives. It's a really cool thing. Don't Don't take that for granted. But will I still we, hate you for finding out on them. There it is. Uh,
1: we hope we keep people company while they have snake shit smeared all over them. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's it's, our that's our mission.
0: It's a very niche thing.
2: It is. <laughs> when we no. take you to see rattlesnakes, we hope that the don't hate will subside and you will forgive if, us. If you
0: find me a rock rattlesnake, everything is forgiven.
1: All okay. right. Fair enough. Game on. Are we Are going to... We're gonna have to like help find like all the field herpers like something just so they'll forgive us. I yes. mean, uh, like,
0: yeah,
1: is Nipper the first, and then we're gonna have to get somebody else something. It's
0: I true. mean, yeah, it's
2: just a selfish way for us to go more field herping. Oh right.
0: someone... yeah, my <laughs> just, just with us, well, you're field herping royalty now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Oh, sure. once, on my time. Oh man! All right, <laughs> good stuff. Well. Thanks, man. Thanks for yep, uh everything. coming and hanging Come, out with uh, us and uh pleasure. Yeah.
0: Speak to you soon, chaps. Have a good uh, evening. Uh, all
2: yeah, we'll yeah, right, you too, man. Cheers.
1: All right.
0: All right, let's oh.
2: close this out, Owen. Do it. Uh, all right. So we got some cool shows lined up. Uh coming up in the next uh couple of weeks. Um uh, we have Daniel Natouche is gonna be coming on talking about his recent uh He's actually next on the lineup. Um, Sweet. He's going to be talking about his uh, new paper, um, which... uh will have said all
1: the chondro people so yep. much, <laughs> and you of, know how much. Yeah. I love doing that.
2: It's kind so. of uh, separated out the you know different species of chondro, if you will. So we're going to be talking all about that.
1: That, that is um, how I would put that, because they're different species. Um, <gasps> oh, I gave it away, yeah. didn't I? Uh
2: and I, I didn't tell him that we found the Owen Pelly. Maybe we should wait till we're on air to share that with him because he no, would appreciate
1: that. Him, no, tell him tell him before. This so way we don't have to. We can't keep bringing up the Owen Pelly by every episode. <laughs> every episode. Well, at least for the rest of the year. We, got, we, we only got like going, five more episodes. People are gonna get annoyed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fair enough. All right, but um, uh, and then after that we uh, have our good friend Ari uh, coming yes. back. He just came back. He just back got from... back from.
1: Papa, or yeah, he just did a bunch of research for the bowl and I. Yeah. So uh I'm oh, we always love talking to Ari about that stuff. Um and hearing about how how horrible this trip went. Yes. I mean it's like every time we talk to him, he's like I nearly fell out of mountain off of a mountain there, ran into a cassowary here. It, it's like eventually, you know. You, we we're glad Ari makes it back alive every time so that's why we have to talk to him so uh so true that'll be a good show and we'll know Keith will listen to that one so uh, yes yeah.
2: and then um then we have uh Lawrence coming on to talk about scrubs nice. pythons um, yep he's had a lot
1: of good success with some scrubs recently so
2: and then it's our holiday show and then we're done holy crap <laughs> yes really yeah, so that's our lineup, and... Uh, we're we're gonna...
1: almost done, and it's a hell of a fucking lineup until the end. It's like, damn.
2: Yeah, we got some cool stuff, uh, so should be cool. Okay. So looking forward to those. Um, as far as us, murraypythonradio.net. You can check out our website. Um, that will... Uh, I, I was working on it recently. Um, yeah. I've, uh, you know, starting to add uh some of the like i did the darwin page with the picture of the stuff we found and the habitat and did some natural history are you, you, are you
1: doing like a page for like every time you guys go on a herb trip somewhere or like...
2: no, i do that on my own uh blog thing but for this gotcha. um you know the more oh, the
1: darwin species yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Okay, so, right, right, right. yeah.
2: So, so that kind of. Thing. I mean, what the hell, man? We got the pictures and we did the.
1: I guess did I the mean, work. You know, we might
2: as well use our own pictures. I, I, I guess, stuff.
1: and I also, you know, maybe because we went to where the, you know, where gavin Gavin, um, where the papers were written. So you know, it's oh, botanical fine. Botanical
2: Gardens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, you could also put that in there, and you
2: yep.
3: know,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, there you go.
2: Yeah, but you know, it's 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 cool and I I just wanted that stuff out of my head, but um the 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 one thing I, I actually just started working on um is uh just putting down these herping trips um in in like a in like a book form, you know. Nice uh, to yeah. uh to try to I mean <laughs> Personally, i I kind of find them the coolest reptile books. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, Like I mean, people have stories, and you know, blah blah blah. But
1: right. Well, you know. it's. Do you remember what we talked about in Australia, where it was like you were going to write. The book that was like the the great Australian trek of Eric Burke and I was gonna write um um, the children's book version of it, like (laughs) the pop up version, yeah, yeah, like for like from from throw mama from the train where it's like Owen, his friend and his friend Rob go to Australia, yeah, yeah, a a pop up book, the bunch of yeah, (laughs) oh dear. That's yep. great. Uh, for those of you who have never seen that movie, do not watch it. All right, yes. you will. It will be very bad for people who are named me, like people named Owen. So, okay, just don't, don't go to that movie. <laughs> so, sound
2: effect inserted. No, shut in
1: up. Never find <laughs> that.
3: Oh, that's uh, great. All well, right, fair
2: enough. You'll never listen this far.
1: You'll never know if it's there or not. <laughs> Well, oh, just as long as it's not like the Owen doesn't have any friends, because that's that's the one my sisters threw at me constantly. Oh so. no, I won't
2: do that. Yeah, no, thank that, you. That that is not. Um, I mean, you found the Owen Pelly Python. I know, right?
1: right? <laughs> so uh, I have to limit us to how many times we can bring it up during an episode. But we'll, we'll talk later that's <laughs> during right. a meeting. Yeah. All
2: right. Fair enough. Um, so uh, we announced the calendar winners. Yes. Um, you can find it over on the website as well if you want to check yes. it out. or It's on our Facebook page. Um, but we, uh, we will
1: announce once we have those that are ready for anybody who wants to place orders for the calendar. Yep. Uh, we'll try to get them done as soon as possible so you can have them in your hands before January 1st. Yes. So, So
2: yep. there's that. Um, and then, um, if you want to get in contact with us for anything, info at dot Uh, as far as myself, ebmorelia.com is where you can find me. Um, you can follow me, Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, that's all I got.
1: Cool. Uh, for me, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. Uh, a couple stuff up there for sale. Uh, we're shutting down shipping pretty soon. So if you wanted to jump on anything, now's the time. Uh, as far as uh, you can also follow Rogue Reptiles on Facebook.com and Rogue underscore reptiles on Instagram. Uh, As far as shows that are coming up, I think there's a show in Hamburg in December. But other than that, I'm pretty much done for the year. So if you did want anything that's on my site currently, you need to contact me right now because I'm going to have a little bit of time to ship after Thanksgiving. And then that window will be closed until warmer weather shows up. So what we will say is thank you all for listening, and we'll catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python radio. Good night.